And we are live, guys. We're going to be joined by my guy Ken Clark here in just a minute um, as I open the show. But listen, week four FCS preview. It was a wild week three. We got top six matchups, top 15 matchups to talk about. But first, I want to announce a new show dropping tomorrow, recorded tonight. Coach's Corner right here on the Blue Bloods, wide receiver coach and director of football operations at Alcorn State. Coach Fred will be joining me weekly as we recap games and preview some of the biggest games across the country, man. He's bringing a lot of the X's and O's and how coaches are really breaking down these games behind the scene, man. Shout out to Coach Fred weekly, though, on Monday and or Wednesday. Me and Coach Fred are going to break down some of the biggest games across the country. But now it's time. My guy, Ken Clark, doing this last minute. He has a show coming up in 30 minutes at 8.30 on his channel. Make sure to check it out. Ken, how you doing, man? What's up, Blue? Appreciate you for having me on, brother. How you doing? Absolutely. I needed um another voice here, man, because I don't I, I know <laughs> about you. As you're connected to Jackson State, you know I'm that connected to Auburn. So as soon as that news broke, I'm talking about my phone hasn't stopped ringing for about two days. <laughs> Since that... Uh, fine bomb segment but I talked a little bit about it last night on the on three channel um, Auburn live and my message to everyone with this storyline I've seen other people's videos and everything it's pumped the brakes that is the whole narrative here and the reason I brought Ken on is I wanted someone who has been around Jackson State seen behind the scenes because that's going to be important on why I say pump the brakes because one Auburn does not have an athletic director in place. They just mm. – uh, Alan Green just stepped away. No athletic director in place right now for Auburn. That search is going down right now. There's been some finalists announced, and they're hoping to announce one soon, too. Brian Harson still has a job right now. Now, the clock is ticking. If he loses to Missouri this weekend, I heard things are going to be expedited very, very quickly in terms of moving him out. And two – or three – I'm going to explain why I don't think Coach Prime is even going to be a realistic candidate for Auburn due to the politics behind the scenes, and that's where my guy Ken comes in. So, Ken, what was your first reaction? Man, we know that he's been linked to, what, Nebraska now? Um, there was Arizona State. Now Auburn is a big one. You know, what What? What has been your general reaction as all this news has been breaking? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, appreciate you for having me on. Uh, shout out to uh, everyone that's um, tuned in and um, – be sure to go to Ken Clark underscore 1400 or Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Hit the subscribe button. Um, in relation to Coach Prime, I mean, I think I think it speaks for itself. I mean, Coach Prime is going to be linked to every single job opening in America until he leaves Jackson State. So I think, um, you know, for us, you know, in Jackson State, we, we got to basically use this – this, this chatter, every time there's going to be a power five job of any elk that is of any magnitude, um, they're going to start with Coach Prime. What he's doing in Jack State is, is is nothing short of amazing. I mean, we won a swag championship in his first full season. Uh, fell short of the Celebration Bowl to South Carolina State, but um, two back-to-back top FCS recruiting classes uh, off to a 3-0 and start. Uh, picked up the, first, um, the number one player, flipped him from Florida State. Uh, brought in another top 300 uh, player, Kevin Coleman. Um, and, and, you know, I think the recruiting speaks for itself. The success speaks for itself. The visibility at Jack State is amazing. It's better than it's ever been from a social media uh, standpoint. Uh, the momentum um, that the recharge or resurgence, renaissance, whatever word you want to use uh, in relation to HBCUs is attributed to Coach Prime coming to Jackson State. So 
Um, I think initially I would get annoyed, but I think what I would just tell the Jack State faithful to just kind of be more expected to that. This is what happens when you, you know, you, your FCS or HBCU uh, program or smaller uh, power, group of five program. The, the big boys are always going to come calling when opportunities are there. Uh, so I've heard names. I've heard those same names. Blue. I've heard Auburn. Auburn being a Under Armour, you know, school. We know Coach Prime is an Under Armour. Um, 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 I would say in Dorsey. Um, Heard Nebraska. Nebraska narrowed it, their search down to three. Uh, we got our Coach Prime name being in there. Uh, I think Bill O'Brien is in there somewhere. Um, I've heard Arizona State. You know, I saw a young man over at 247 kind of breaking that down. Uh, Arizona State being uh, somewhat of a uh, – since they walked out, walked away, Coach Herm Edwards. Um, I've heard SMU. I've heard Georgia Tech. I mean, I've heard just about every job that's available right now. So, um from a just from a standpoint, today marks two years, man, that Coach Prime has been a head football coach at Jack State. So happy two year anniversary to Coach Prime. The rumor mill is 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 full in, in effect and and it, it is what it is, man. So, you know, but but here's what I say, Blue. He came to Jackson State uh to all of our surprise. I mean, we we <laughs> there's a there's an audio clip when, you know, when our Tiger Talk of the fourteen hundred club crew was was talking, you know, after a show and, and they, they told me who it was. And I was like, I paused, like, waiting for somebody to say, I'm just playing. And they was like, no, it's Deion Sanders. I'm like, wait a minute, are you serious? <laughs> I think my, my my voice got high pitched and it's been a full, it's been a fun ride for these two seasons. You know, he, he's on a four year deal with Jackson State through 2024. Uh, Coach Prime has shown himself to be uh, a man of, of high character and a man of his word. I feel like everything about him that I've learned over these past two years, I met him on the day of the press conference. Uh, a 1400 Club uh, um, affinity group had a chance to go in the room and meet with him. It just, to me, it feels like Coach Prime is going to uh, be committed to what he signed up for. Uh, will he leave early? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. You know, I think all the signs to me says that. Everything that he said, Blue, everything that he's put out there publicly, what his mission is, God called me to Jackson State to level the playing field. And um, he's on a mission to um, to take a, you know, sort of the have-nots and kind of elevate them into this space of, of, uh, of the haves. So I think he is on track. He's on par in year two to, to accomplish that mission. But – there's going to be a lot of knocks at the door, man. I think, I think, um, I think he has all the support. Here's one thing I'd say. Coach Prime is, is, is he, he's on full display at Jackson State. His personality, everything he wants to do, uh, how he wants to run the program. I mean, he has a, 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 a green light to basically just about do just about everything he want to do, you know? Um, and you guys have seen that we've seen it. And like I said, it's been on full display. Uh, one of the things that I think all of us has, been very uni in unison with in stating in regards to Coach Prime going to another program. Will he have the same autonomy to do some of the things that he have the freedom and luxury to do at a Jackson State? You know, uh, we know how in some of these bigger programs, these big, big, big money boosters are the ones that run these programs. They tell you when to go and not to go, how to do it, how fast, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, if you catch the right program, with a, you know, it's, it's a possibility. But there's just so many other elements. I, I just think the, you know, he has revitalized Jackson in a way that I've never seen in quite some time. Jackson being my hometown, I love what I'm seeing. I love the momentum. I love the energy that's behind it. But 
he's also been very vocal about what he needs, you know, and that's, you know, he wants to get his staff paid. You know, he said, you know, a power five job isn't going to do much for him. It's only going to pad his landing. You know, he's pretty much uh, set for life. Uh, doesn't mean that he wouldn't take more money, you know, but I think uh, the thing that we have to figure out is if we could possibly get an extension in there with Coach Prime, if we could uh, close some of the gaps on some of the uh, um, the money that uh, could pay his staff. And, and I'm pretty sure we have a uh, phenomenal president and AD that knows what is on the table. They have a very transparent, a great, great working relationship. I think uh, they have a good enough relationship for him to go to him and, and talk just like we're talking, you know, what do you need? What do we, you know, what's, what's on the table? What, what do we need to do to keep you? Uh, how do we keep you staying, staying packed, you know? And um, last thing I'll say, then the other element is, you know, his, his, his sons, he's coaching his sons, you know, and he just added, you know, his, uh, so he has uh, Shador been our star quarterback, you know, his sophomore year, uh, Shiloh uh, star safety, um, and, you know, red shirt sophomore year, um, and then you have Deion Sanders Jr., who's basically handling media right now. And you have Shalomai, who just uh, joined on as a freshman with the basketball program. So you have four kids at Jack State. Um, Jack State uh, HBCUs are family, family-oriented. It's a family-type environment. We've welcomed the Sanders family, the entire Sanders family in Jackson as a whole. And we love this for him to stay forever, you know, as, as long as he could. But we all are realistic, and we're not naive to think that you know, coach. You know, every every coach has a a a, a um, I guess you can say a you know a, a final day in which they are at that program. Doesn't no one stays forever? But um, maybe a little premature on the talks, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I I am of the mindset that if everything that Coach Prime has said has been very believable, you know, if he if he if he bails, you know, prematurely, then those that have been waiting. And have been saying that's what he's gonna do all along. Can't wait. They're gonna have all the all the stories are gonna be gonna be hot in heaven. They got a lot of sound bites to to throw at him and and, and to try to disprove him to be a man of, of high character and a man of honesty. So um, but that's what we that's where we at with it. But that's what I wanted to open up with, and I'll, I'll let you jump in from there. Yeah, and you know, I talked last night because I want people to understand one. I, I'm plugged into the Auburn coaching search, and there's been two candidates that they've already reached out to before Harse is fired. Neither one of them are Coach Prime. This really started as the way I was, the way my guy told me is it started as a grassroots movement by some of the powerful voices behind the scene and a lot of the fan base. So, um, one of the guys is former quarter Auburn quarterback Ben Lear, who played um, back in the '90s. He went on a show and was and went on a 20 minute rant on Auburn Live and said that if he got his pick, Coach Prime would be the guy. And the fans have run with it. The media has run with it. So I just want people to understand there is no mutual interest right now, and they're not going to make a move until the AD is hired. And knowing Auburn like I know it. It would be really and truly Auburn might be one of the places I don't think Coach Prime would fit in at all, especially due to the boosters behind the scenes. We've seen it mm -hmm. over and over and over again. The boosters think they know more than the coach, and that goes back to Gene Chizik. That goes back to Gus Malzahn. That goes back to Tommy Tuberville. Who, however far back you want to go, if you got the money at Auburn, you get a voice in the room. And the way it was put to me is if, if this, it, they said that, Prom is going to be on the short list and they might reach out. 
But for me being an Auburn guy who knows the behind the scenes, I think he would take the – you always got to take the interview. And I think me and you, Ken, have talked about that. For your career, you have to take the interview. It, it would oh, be absolutely. But <laughs> if he peeks behind the curtain, it's not, it's, it's not going to be the job that he – envisions himself going to do and you know that's why I wanted you on here Ken um you talk a little bit about the ability that he has behind the scenes to kind of be himself and also make the moves he wants to make can you speak on that a little bit because I don't I think that would be the one thing or the major thing that prevents him from really considering this Auburn job even if he got an interview with them yeah I mean I mean we're an HBCU man so you know the thing that is with us. We, you know, we have limited resources, but we we're rich in tradition, rich in, and I know when he say tradition, he he frowns at that word, but we are rich in tradition, rich in culture. Um, the HBCU culture is, is a special thing. Uh, we don't sell against money, you know, money, we can't compete. We just can't, but we can definitely, um, you know, I don't think that coach prime can duplicate what he's doing at, at, um, at Jackson State at a Power 5 or PWI. I just don't believe that because it's just too much. The culture gets behind him. The, the presence that you see uh, with all the, the, you know, the celebrity presence, those that want to be a part of it, those that want to come there. What makes this thing so special is because it's happening at an HBCU. Let's just, let, let's just call it what it is. HBCUs have always been historically um, great, but the thing that has made HBCUs the most attractive has been the draw for the uh, just the culture and the vibe itself. So you take someone like a Deion Sanders, that's somewhat extremely, you know, flashy. He, you know, he was known for having all his jewelry on, you know, when he was getting drafted and to come now he's coach prime, you know, now he, uh, the stuff that you see, even with like this past weekend, you know, you have uh, our first home game. He dedicated the tunnel to a fallen beloved rapper, you know, young Dolph out of Memphis. And he had the entire paper route empire, um, uh, record label there. He's doing things that is very, very unconventional. I don't know if you can pull something like that off at some of these other schools. You know, I lived in Austin, Texas, with a, uh, and I saw firsthand, you know, uh, with a, I'm very close with a lot of alums at UT and going to a lot of games. Matter of fact, one of the uh, directors of UT Athletics, as far as the uh, online graphics, is an alum at Jackson State. I got all my tickets from him, you know, going to a lot of the games and, and very tight with some of the most boosters and so so forth and so on when it comes to the program. And I had a conversation in times past, Blue, about something as simple as augmenting the Texas, the UT Longhorn uniform. And they told me straight up, it ain't happening. Like they were like, there is no way there's any changes. And they talked about how they even frowned on the black jerseys that was at practice. Like it's just that, just that uh, serious. So with that being said, when you talk about a coach prime at HBC, you talk about him at Jackson. Jackson is, is 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 in the south, man. It's it's deep south, hospitality state. Jackson is a very 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 unique city. Eighty percent African American. Um, you know the capital city of Jackson. Uh, deal with a lot of things that you see taking place. Uh, I do fear that some of the things that he's having to deal with that's not football related may be some things that might turn him off. I don't know. I don't. I hope they wouldn't be. But when you look at the behind the scenes, you look at. Um, as long as there is alignment with the president, the AD, and the head football coach, then there really is no issues because he comes with a really good, um, high-caliber character. He tells you straight up what he wants. He wants guys that are smart, tough, fast, disciplined, and he added with character. So he don't want any of his uh, student athletes to be at the campus creating problems. 
he's not just raising football players, but he's raising men. And that's important in a city like a city of Jackson, Mississippi, which is a very high, you know, you know, we a high crime type city. You know what I mean? Um, we, I think crime is proximity. You know, it's not I, I'm, I'm not one that I frown at the term, you know, black on black anything. You know, I just think proximity, it dictates uh, circumstances. So um, my point is when he's in a Jackson you see the impact that he's made. You see the things that he's doing. Um, you see the effects, the changes that he's made. The ability to say, okay, we don't have this. I need to make this happen. You go into the first home game. Um, there's a lot of complaints about running out of water, right? That, that, you know, we I talked about that on, on, on my page the other night, saying how, you know, there was a certain allotment. There was a certain amount of water that they brought to sale. Well, when a coach prime goes to his weekly press conference and he says, hey, there should be no reason that that should take place. Um, we got all this water over there. We just need to get it from here to there. And then now, boom, in conjunction with that, the university comes out and says, hey, we're going to make some changes. Never seen that take place, boo. I haven't. So I love the, the quick reaction and say, you know what? We're going to have free water. And I'm willing to bet you that some of that water that's going to be free outside in the, in the tailgate section is some of that water that Coach Prime was talking about that we have a whole lot of on campus. So it's in it's just the little things like that. His ability to put the touches on the the um, the, the renovations to the uh, facilities with the football players, um, getting the practice field, the, des the design of the uniform, having multiple uniforms every single year. Um, what else can we talk about? Um, being able to be opinionated to the level that he is. Think about what he said. You're, you're part of the uh, SWAC Coaches Conference now. Shout out to you. Congrats on that. You know, I always hear this guy named Zach. I'm like, I don't know who Zach yeah. is, man. I know him by blue, right? So, <laughs> but, but congratulations to you. But here's my point. You got a man that's in that conference could, that, 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 that could be a voice, that could be a, a beacon of change. And I think when you factor that in, that's some of the things that, Coach Prime has been able to do at Jackson State that he may not necessarily have to do at a at a, at a, at a uh, PWI or Power Five program. However, um, it's just still one of those things that you have to consider. Yeah, it, you know the other biggest thing that I also wanted to for, for, you know I said this on my show before. I understand the frustration by some fans because of how you, you never want to lose a great coach. Let's be regardless of where the coach is especially at the FCS level, it's hard to find. Let's just keep it 100. It's really hard to find. It's really hard to keep at the group of five and FCS level. So I understand the frustration of the fan base a little bit, but I just want you guys to understand that's a good thing your coach is being put in these conversations because yep. if he wasn't, that 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 would signal something about your program. So it's a good thing that Coach Prime's mentioned in it. It's a great thing that even, even though he hasn't won on the field, Ken, Mike Minter was mentioned for the Nebraska job, and he has a less than 400 winning percentage at Campbell. He's getting mentioned just because of his recruiting. Yeah. And yeah, they, they don't do that. I mean, Blue, before Coach Prime, we had four coaches, man, in, in three in, in seven years. So, you know, um, Coach Comedy ends in 2013, Coach Harold Jackson. Then we go to Coach uh, uh, Tony Hughes and then Coach John Hendrick. That's four. And then you got Coach Prime, and that's between 2013 to 2020. So trust me, I don't think any Jack State fan could, could in, in good conscience, tell me that we 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 got a short lease when it comes to coaches. So I think on this side of it, you know, I, I would send the message that we got to just be okay. 
we just got to control what we can control. Let's make sure we do our part on our end and try to give our best foot forward. We're going to shoot the ball. We're going to shoot it from deep now. We're going to definitely shoot it. Now, if, if we hope to connect. We hope to Steph Curry that thing from half court. But if somehow, some way, um, something else takes place, I just would like to see Coach Prime. And in all honesty, if I'm being real with you, I would love to see him just fulfill his four-year agreement to be there. Now, if he's able to go beyond that, great. What I don't want to see, and I'm not going to – I don't want to see him in the contract two years early because that's going to feel very um, – uh, it's going to feel bad, you know what I mean? And it's going to say, well, man, it just, it just goes against the message that we bought into. You know, we bought into that message, hook, line, and sinker. We eating it. We eating it. We drinking the Kool-Aid, man, you know, and everyone else would too. There's no reason, and I, I'll say it this way: in all, in all kind, in, in clear conscience, I, I don't see Coach Prime leaving before that. Now, I'd be shocked if he does. If he do, hey, we wish him the best. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna definitely bid him a, a, a amazing farewell. But I do feel like if he do leave, Jack State gonna be an extremely high job, you know. So we'll have quite a few that'll be chomping at the bit to to get to 1400 J.R. Lynch. So uh, let's just hope that it's in the in, in 2025 or 2029 or something, you know? So, um, but yeah, that's what I got on that. You know, and also I, I think, uh, I think a bigger thing that a lot of people seem to overlook because it's always, you know, when's he going to leave interviews, things like that. I really do think a, a, a goal for him outside of getting players drafted is getting some of these younger staff head coaching opportunities elsewhere, whether it's D2, whether it's FCS group of five, wherever I really do think that, some of the people working under him, the analysts, getting an offensive coordinator job somewhere, I really do think that's an underlying goal for yeah. him that not a lot of people address because, you know, it, it. let's just be honest, it's not a, quote, sexy topic to talk about. But I do think that that's his goal for, like, a T.C. Taylor, for some of these guys that have worked under him to gain some experience. And when, you know, wherever they end up in a few years, it's in a better place than where they were when he stepped in. Absolutely, man. And I think that you're going to start to see if coach, if, if some of these schools were, were smart, don't go for the big fish. You know, you'd be smart to, to look at some of these position coaches, look at some of these coordinators. Brett Bartoloni is, is, is uh, people singing a different tune to Brett Bartoloni than they were when they first hired him, right? Everybody's like, what? Who is this guy? He went to, you know, uh, you know, and, 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 but I think, his work speaks for itself. So you got a young, fiery uh, offensive coordinator that comes in highly, highly recommended. You know, you you, you know, we don't know if Coach Dennis Thurman or, or, or Jeff, you know, or Coach Jeff Weeks or or Markinson or any of these other coaches that came in originally with Coach Prime are looking to do anything because most of these gentlemen have, have a very extensive, long coaching career. Coach Tim Brewster and and and, and, and Kevin Mathis and and, and you know. Um, you know, Andre Hart, you know, these guys have been with Coach Prime for quite some time. Um, so the expectation in my mind is that wherever he goes, they're more than likely to go with him. So I don't know that to be the case. Um, but I just think it's a little too early to talk about Coach Prime leaving. I'm okay with the job interests, and I'm even okay with the interviews. I just think Coach Prime is, 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 is such a businessman that understands the, the value of relationships. You don't say no. You go interview, and you go establish a relationship, and then you come back and say, hey, listen, um, today is not the day, but I want to make sure we keep that line of communication going. So in the event that in the next couple of years when I'm ready to roll, you know, hey, I'll, I'll be looking, you know, I'll be looking to come your way. So it, it's that type of thing. Because sometimes when you go and do an interview, you may not get it the first go around or you may not even want it the first go around. It may just be 
a, a, a power play where you can just go plant your seed for a later time or make it, or should I say, a placeholder? Because let's just be real. These jobs, are all, all these jobs will probably be open again. Because if you look at the programs that are, uh, let's just let's just walk through it real quick. Nebraska. Nebraska hasn't been of any, when has Nebraska been relevant in the last two decades? <laughs> Tommy Osborne, I mean, Tom Osborne, come on. I mean, you got uh, SMU. Okay, Sonny Dykes over SMU. He made them very formidable. But, eh, you know, okay, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's been trash for quite some time. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, Calvin Johnson come out of Georgia Tech, which I still don't understand why he went to a triple option team, but that's Horrible. for another day. Horrible decision. Arizona State, um, was it Was it Harold? Coach, um, yeah. I think, was over there. Um yeah, it was okay then at the time, but you know, Pac-12 probably Arizona emerges as a favorite after you see UCLA and USC go to the Big Ten. Um, who else was out there? Um, uh, Auburn. Auburn is is a man. You can't go to Auburn and just stink it up because you got that guy that's sitting across that Iron Bowl is is for real in Alabama, man. You got and Coach Saban just got re-upped. I understand the Affleck relation and the possibility of oh, let's get Coach Prime and he can out recruit him. But boy, oh boy, you lose that Iron Bowl, Coach Prime. Ooh, it might get a little ugly. You don't win, and you don't that magic that they see on the on the camera. They see, they watch these videos, and you dominating. Because here's a narrative, Blue, that you know is gonna come if you go to the Power Five ranks. And I'm not trying to put this out there. I'm just saying, if he goes and, and he don't win, they're gonna say, "Well, shucks, he, was he a good coach, yeah. or was he just out recruiting everybody and beating them because he had better talent on the FCS level?" That's what you're gonna hear, you know. Um, I think he's a great coach, honestly. I think he's a great uh, leader of men, and, and I think he'll win wherever he goes because he's going to have a great staff and he's going to out-recruit everybody. I just believe that. You know what I mean? So uh, I just hope that it's not until the dates that I told you. I don't want it to be no time before 2025. <laughs> hey, that's fair enough, man. I know you got a show to run to, man. I appreciate you giving yes, sir. your time, man. I wanted another perspective on this because I think we're both on the same page on the whole pump the brakes let let's 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 let the season play out a little bit and let there be an actual job opening before we start putting people into a job that's not even open yet. Yeah, man, I don't think we're gonna stop any of the uh, you know the you know the people talking on these on these block on these sites and it is what it is. We got to hear it and don't hear it. We got a lot of football left to play. We still got a season to get through. And you know, to the Jack State faithful, just you know, just hear it but don't hear it. Understand how it goes, and we'll be okay, man. But like I said, man, appreciate you for, you know, bringing me on. You know, I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, again, for those that, you know, you know, Ken Clark underscore the name you see on the, on the uh, page, feel free. Go over to my YouTube uh, channel. Uh, just getting really started in YouTube, a month, month, little over a month and a half in, in this space. And uh, hit that subscribe button. Got a lot of dope content. About to go do a live show myself and Zoe. Yep. You see it. I got the merch on. You know, Ken Clark underscore. Ken Clark 1400, man. Appreciate you, Blue. All the best to you, brother. Have a great show, man. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Man, guys. uh, But, yeah, I want to address that because I saw a lot of talk about it, man. And right now, he is not a candidate, man. We got to let it die down, man. There's way too much talk for a job that is not not open right this second, man. But um, I'll keep y'all updated, man. Listen, I'm connected in that university. If there's an interview or anything, man, I'll be the first to know right here on the Blue Bloods, man. But let's get to our top five FCS quarterbacks. Entering week four, man, a few changes, uh, um, uh, multiple changes. But, man, at five, we got Parker McKinney. Jason Shelley moves up to the four spot. 
Both of these guys have been electric this year, man. Listen, Parker McKinney over a thousand yards passing, ten touchdowns, a rushing touchdown has led Eastern Kentucky to a two and one record. Shelley this weekend had listen, he had Arkansas on the ropes, man. Both of these guys are electric athletes, man. But the top three have a long have a have a strong lead right now over four and five, man. I want to quickly touch on Shelley and Parker. The top three, though. I have a tough time changing these unless something drastic changes like Shelly goes out this weekend and, and finds a way to upset South Dakota State. I have a very, very tough time moving any of these three guys around. Tim DeMora takes over the number one spot. Lindsey Scott slides into the number two spot from Incarnate Word. And Shador Sanders jumps up to number three from number four last week. So some big changes, man. Listen, Shador has had an amazing year, completing over 72% of his passes, almost 1,000 yards passing this year, 10 passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, and two rushing touchdowns right now. 3-0 and for Jackson State on the year. Lindsey Scott and Tim DeMoret have been putting on absolute clinics in terms of stats, man. Listen, 1,300 yards in three games for Tim DeMoret, 16 passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Let, led, them, um, led them to a big win over you, Albany, man. But let me get to this caller real quick, man. Y'all let me know if y'all can hear them. 7-6-8-1, you're live. Hey, Blue, how you doing? What's up, man? Question for you, for for UIW, now that they're kind of ranked right around the four spot, they've got Southeastern Louisiana this weekend, and after that, the skate get, the schedule gets much easier. Do you see any danger of them getting leapfrogged the rest of the way because of their easier schedule? Yeah, it's always a concern, especially when you look at – so, you know, I, I did a – I did an episode before this one where I was asked what happens with the Missouri state, South Dakota state game. If that one's close, you know, does a team that loses that game by three points uh, drop? You know what I mean? So how far do you, how far do you move down? And so incarnate words in trouble because I think they were banking on Southeastern Louisiana being ranked this weekend and they're not because they, you know, had those two FBS games, and then they also played, what was it, Central Connecticut State. It's a road game, though, and that's an important one for Lindsey Scott and Incarnate Word to put on a dominant performance. If they want to stay ranked in the top five, they're going to have to probably win their games by an average of like 14 to 20 points. Fair enough, man. Appreciate it. Hey, appreciate the call, man. Oh, hang on. Let's see. Man, okay, you say, okay, hang on, Tom. You say 10 touchdowns in 1,000 yards. I got you. The the two people in front of them have both had that and both have 13 and 16 passing touchdowns. Like, you're you're acting like it, it's just like a robbery, man. He's top three right now. And listen, Tim DeMora and Lindsey Scott have done it at a big level. And Lindsey Scott's done it against a top 10 FCS team in an FBS school. And then Tim DeMora is just putting on an absolute clinic. And so, listen, I don't, I get he'll be played half of a game in one week, but man, it's still, you have to look at it for, from, from the perspective of who has had the better season thus far. And right now, DeMora and Lindsey Scott, man, have to be above Shador right now. I understand everyone wants them to be number one, man. He's number three. That is respectable. And so, listen, I think Tim DeMore and Lindsey Scott have earned those one and two spots, and I don't think there's any shade in putting in Shador number three. And now DeMore and Lindsey Scott.
Scottman. What's up, Mr. Ford? You're live. I understand. Let me turn this thing out. Hold on. Hey, can you can you hit can you hit me, Blue? Yeah, got you loud and clear, man. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you something. This Lindsey Scott is this Lindsey Scott's son that played for the New Orleans Saints in the University of Georgia? Yeah, it's his son. If I'm not That's mistaken. His son. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about him. He was from uh, Jessup, Georgia. Uh, the daddy was. Uh, he made the uh, legendary catch, you know, down there in 1980. Buck Ballou hit him in the closing seconds of the game to beat Florida. And that's the year that uh, Vince Dooley won his only national championship. That was Herschel Walker's freshman year. And, uh, yeah, I was wondering if that was his son. Uh-huh. Listen, what I want to talk about was uh, Southern. To me, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm For some reason, I'm thinking Southern in trouble. I'm hoping they can get that uh, – Defense together, I don't have no faith in that Henry Miller. I've never liked him as a defense coordinator. I know that he was raised up with uh, Eric Dooley down in New Orleans, and he takes him everywhere he goes. Now, what you hearing about? Uh, what you hearing about Southern and that defense? I have some concerns. I'm not going to lie, I, and I've really and truly have more concerns about their offense. It was supposed to take a huge step forward under Dooley. They were supposed to have this all-world offensive line still. They were supposed to have recruited some wide receivers, finally have a quarterback, and against the probably a bottom two or three defense coming into the season, you get shut out, and it's not even close. And so I have major concerns, especially when you look at Jackson still coming up. They still got to go and play, if I'm not mistaken, and brag against Florida A&M. PV looks like no scrubs. That They played really well against Incarnate Word this weekend. And then Alcorn State should be 2-1 and one right now with a top-10 win and a win over McNeese. So I have major right. concerns about Southern. Yeah, I do too. And that this here's the thing I'm concerned about. Historically, you know, Southern's not a very patient fan base. You know, they used to have a rule when I was uh, down at Grambling. If Eddie Robinson beat you three times, you knew to uh, get the moving van because you was out of town. You was gone. Uh, I'm just concerned about that coaching staff down there. I, I just don't think it's a it's it's, it's up to par for what what's happening in the in the SWAC now. You know. Deion Sanders is going out and getting Mike Zimmerman. He goes out and get Dennis Thurman, and you go get Henry Miller. I, I don't, I, I don't get that, and I don't think that's going to work. Uh, I'm looking forward to that FAMU game. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be on Facebook, so I want to see the changes that they made. What did they do last week? They were off last week. I want to see what did they do. I'm a big fan of uh, Willie Simmons. I want to see if that defense will become more aggressive and not more vanilla. Uh, the guy who is now calling the plays for uh, FAMU, the defensive coordinator, you know he worked on the Nick Saban. Did you know that? Um, I did not. Yeah, he worked on the Nick Saban. He was an analyst. And so that's why I'm kind of shocked at the way that defense is looking because I guess the guy who was calling the plays last year, he's the coach that left and went to Purdue. I can't remember his name, but I think he went to Purdue. But, uh, yeah, this guy worked on the Nick Saban. And one thing Nick Saban has always been good at is pressure on that quarterback and, and uh, coming with exotic blitzes. And this guy ain't doing no exotic blitzes. You know, they got the DBs 10 yards off. I don't understand that. But I'm looking forward to see, you know, the game. The other thing I want to say, and I, I keep saying this, 
that Musa kid is not that dual threat quarterback that that offense calls for. He's more of the NFL, big arm, give him time, and he'll hit the target. And I still say, you know, uh, Willie Simmons runs three three um, wide receivers. Take one of them wide receivers off the field and play two tight ends. And one of them not tight ends needs to help out with the offensive line blocking. Um, but that's, that's uh, you know, yeah, what I'm thinking. Isaiah Land has to go off this weekend. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, he, that defense got to get better. You're right. Because if I'm not mistaken, right now, Alabama A&M's quarterbacks have combined for double-digit interceptions, no passing touchdowns, and have been sacked like 12 or 13 times in the first three games. Yeah. Isaiah Land yeah. has to prove that, that he's that guy because this season he has been non-existent outside of the one sack against Jackson State. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. He has not lived up to the billing and, and all the hype he got, but we still got about, what, uh, seven or eight more games? How many games we got left? Yeah, um, the- seven or eight, depending on, you know, the bye weeks. I know it was a weird bye week for family, but they had that week zero game. But this game, for me, is a must win for both teams because whoever loses this one, is going to be in trouble in terms of in terms of the East. And, and I'm going to end with this. You just had – I was listening you have your conversation with the guy from the 1400 Club. What's his name? Ken Clark. Ken. Let me say this to Ken. Ken, y'all living in a world of make-believe. Them people at Auburn don't want uh, Deion Sanders. Let me tell you something. The majority of them people – that's calling the shots at Auburn are old, rich, white men. You think they finna get their money to Deion Sanders? Uh, once again, y'all having illusions of grandeur. They, them people don't want Deion Sanders. They don't want him. Uh, believe me. Ain't no difference in them people at Florida State and the people at Auburn. Them people at Florida State don't want him, and the people at Auburn don't want him. Okay? He'll be right there. And listen, I believe, now this me. I know that Deion Sanders is smart enough to know that he is not going to derail Shadur's career down there at Jackson State. Deion is going to get his son out of Jackson State. Y'all, y'all can believe that. He ain't going nowhere. He's going to get his son out of Jackson State because his idea is to get Shadur in the NFL. You think you're going to pull Shadur after two years and then put him in a power five school? That stuff don't work. Look, look what happened to that boy – Remember the kid, D- Dalen, was it Dylan, Dalen Baldwin? Oh, D- uh, Dalen Baldwin. Remember that kid? Yeah, the wide receiver. Okay, that's right. He pulled out of Jackson State and went up to Michigan, uh, went up to the um, Wolverine, and he basically sit the bench. Didn't he do it? Yeah, I mean, he played sparingly, and then he had an injury. Yeah, he played sparingly. He would have been a star at Jackson State. So I'm telling y'all, Dion ain't dumb now. Y'all always worried about him going to Auburn. Dion ain't going to Auburn. And them people at Auburn don't want Dion. Okay? He need he he find where he at. He needs to stay in his lane where he's at. Now, uh, I'm gonna close on this one too. I was thinking about something over there in that um Oh, listen. Now this is what everybody's talking about. You know, Hampton getting ready to play CAA conference football, right? Yeah, they play You got a lot of people weekend. don't believe that uh Hampton can win a game in the CAA. Did you know that? There's a few teams. I think Towson is the win for them in conference. I don't think okay. it comes this weekend. People are, I think, people are a little bit overhyping. I'm going to talk about the game tonight, but, uh, man, 
to go if they beat Delaware this weekend, right now that might be the biggest upset in FCS football this season. So you think you think the Hampton can beat Delaware? No, 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 no. I said they can't. I oh, said Towson. I, I don't think so yeah. either because I've seen Delaware. Oh, they're legit. They they are legit. Yeah, that's but, right. And they get who was that? They, didn't they beat a power? For, who did they beat? Um, Navy. Navy. Yeah. Uh. Uh. They're not gonna beat Navy. And and the other thing is, I don't think uh and is gonna beat South Carolina State. What you think about that? Uh, that's that's one of the games I'm about to talk about, and I and I'm inclined to agree with you on that. Okay. Listen, y'all have a good night. Okay. You too, Mister Ford. Appreciate you. All right. Bye bye. Got another one more caller here, man. We're going to start breaking down these games. 0851, you're live. Hey, Blue, how you doing? What's good, man? It's Royce and Houston. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to see uh, what all points are going to do this weekend. Um, you know, I think our, our quarterback is coming on. had not really had a whole lot of deep balls, but uh, deep pass plays. Uh, but – as far as I'm concerned, this year, if the offense coordinator didn't step it up, I think we need an offense coordinator. Um, okay. I would say let's see how he does throughout the season because you got to – he did pretty well against Stephen F. Austin. The second half really wasn't the offense's fault. It was a lot of special teams issues and things like that. Tulane I don't think is a good judge. I just think Tulane was better than everyone thought, and they performed really, really well last weekend – the question I have is second half performance because second half against McNeese, it seemed like they pulled the reins a little bit too quickly. And the same thing about Stephen F. Austin. I want to see the offense play two consecutive halves of really high level football because they give you one, but then it just seems like in the other one, they slack off in certain areas. I just want to see a complete game from Alcorn State's offense. And I think this weekend would be a great opportunity because I think they should win that game fairly convincingly. Well, you know, in, as a, in the SWAC as a whole, I, I think we're still missing play creativity. I mean, uh, you couldn't run the ball on on, two, on Tulane, and they didn't try any wing tee or anything uh, exotic to even show that they had some type of preparation uh, going on in, 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 the, in the season. You know, if this to work on, you know, it's, it's just a lot, of that, a lot of that stuff, a lot of basic plays. There's no nuance when I'm looking at offense. But I, I defer to your opinion on that. I, I think they're trying to ease the quarterback into it. Listen, he's a first-year starter. We know some of the fans and some analysts are going to just start comparing him to Felix Harper off the rip. I, I think they tried to ease him into the offense. They have a great run game. The offensive line has been extremely productive thus far, especially in terms of run blocking. I just think – they've tried to walk them into it. Aaron Allen is a very talented quarterback, in my opinion. And I think you're going to see them open up the offense a bit more as we get into um, as we get into swag play. And I think it starts with this weekend. I really hope they let him push the ball down the field. Yeah. I think we got a really good defensive tackle, too. A, a thousand percent. A thousand percent agree with that. Um, the, the, the secondary looks really good. The linebacking core is excellent. Claude and um, – I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Both of them have done really, really well. And I think the interior defensive line has been impressive. I'm very, very interested to see um, how their defensive ends develop through the year. If they can just get a bona fide pass rush, which 
everyone looked like they got to the quarterback against McNeese. I think you guys had, what, 10, 11 sacks last weekend? Yeah, somewhere around that. I, 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 I was thinking around 9, 7, or 8. But no, be. I mean, no, it was, it was a lot. Y'all had four people with two. Oh, okay. Last weekend, it was insane. I mean, you guys, if y'all can get after the quarterback like that every single week, Alcorn Alcorn is going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, now, real quick on Southern, I, I, I think we might see a bounce back. I mean, it is Southern. Uh, it might have been the, it, it might have just been the playbook of just too complex. Uh, I think Dooley is a competent coach. Uh, he, he he may pull the reins back a little bit, get back to the basics. Uh, it is Southern. Can't count them out. But also, I think a lot of people are just misunderstanding Texas Southern. Uh, they are overdue uh, for that program to come together. And it's been, it's been, you know, underperforming so long that they just talked up the Southern should win. But I think Texas Southern is better than what we've given them credit for. And as the season goes on, uh, we shall see, as they say. Hey, I, I like it, man. Um, I appreciate the call. All right, thank you. Yeah, 10 sacks last week for Alcorn State, man. It was impressive. They were getting after the quarterback at a high level, man. But uh, let's let's get into these slates of games real quick, man. Um, man, first off, North Dakota, Southern Illinois. This one's extremely interesting. So the ones on my website, I'm going to drop predictions tomorrow. The ones that aren't on my website, I'm going I'm to make my predictions on here. But this is, this is interesting, man. North Dakota comes in coming off of two big conference wins and one – Big out-of-conference win over Northern Arizona, while Southern Illinois was 0-2 and knocked off an FBS team last weekend. Man, it's going to be a quarterback battle between Tommy Schuster and Nick Baker. Avante Cox is finally healthy for Southern Illinois, and he played a major role last weekend in them pulling out that win. Tyler Hoosman for North Dakota has been extremely efficient on the ground, almost 300 yards rushing, two touchdowns. I'm going to actually... I, for me, this is a must win for Southern Illinois. If you end up one in three, an FBS win and three FCS losses, the season's pretty much over, in my opinion. I, I, it's going to be hard-pressed to get to the playoffs, man. They get a home game. This is going to be one they're going to have to win. But I still lean right now toward North Dakota due to the fact that they can run the football more efficiently, and I do think Tommy Schuster has been a bit more efficient. Um, but but we're, we're going to see on that one. But, man, let's get to Jackson State Valley. I told you guys I wasn't going to do um, a solo preview on this one just because I, I really don't think this is even going to be a competitive game, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a thousand percent honest with y'all. This game is going to be sad to watch. It, I really do think I know people have been hitting me up saying, man, Valley always plays Jackson State tough and it's still a swat game and it, it you never know with Valley. Jackson State is going to win this game by no less than 30 to 40 points. I think the quarterback spot, they're going to roll out Jamari Jones, finally the um, number one Juco quarterback in the country that they brought in. I thought he played extremely well at, at the back end of that Delta State game. But I really and truly, I'm going to, the, my perspective is if Jackson State wins by anything less than 30, they get an F for performance this week. Yeah. 30 is the minimum because on paper, I can make an argument it should be 50 or 60. It, it is going to be an absolute bloodbath in the vet this weekend. Um, I, I really do think you can see a score, something like a 59 to 6, 62 to 3, anything, anywhere in there. I mean, this is going to be a game where if you're hurt, 
if you have a if you have a knee sprain, if you have a jam finger, if your feet are sore for Jackson State, you could sit on the sidelines this game. Get the people the rest. You get a bye week next week before really, really getting into conference play. I don't think Jackson State fans have any worries this weekend. I got Jackson State winning this one. Huge. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 59 to six because I think the starters might play a quarter and a half. Really and truly, it is going to be a great showing of the backup quarterback and how much depth Jackson State has on defense. If I'm if I'm Coach Prom. Travis ain't seeing the field. Shiloh ain't seeing the field. Cam ain't seeing the field. Anybody who I am nervous about an injury is not going to see the field this weekend. Jackson State absolutely blows the doors off of Mississippi Valley State this weekend. It is it is going to be bad, man. Delta State looked like the belt the better team all last week, and I think this game is going to be um an absolute problem to say the least, man. But uh Weber State UC Davis is uh it is is the is the next game? Hang on, let's see. He said we're gonna stat pad blue. He said they want to shut out. <laughs> I I love it, man. Oh man, Weber State versus UC Davis is a is a big game next week. Uh, this upcoming weekend too. Weber State sitting at three and zero, top fifteen team. UC Davis was a preseason pick, but they've had a brutal schedule, man. At Cal, at South Dakota State, which was a playoff rematch, man. They dropped only by two points to South Dakota State. Hastings and Gilliam at um, Gilliam at the running back spot has been extremely, extremely productive to say the least, man. But Barron and Bankston sharp on that Weber State offense and that that tough physical defense, man, has been impressive for Weber State. I think they have had an easier schedule thus far. They're coming in extremely healthy, but they haven't been tested. This is the first true road test for them in Big Sky. Um, and Big Sky play, I'm still going to lean Weber State in this one, though. I do think Weber State wins this one 24-13. Um, but I'm going to lean Weber State. And this is a game that I'm extremely excited for, man. South Carolina State versus North Carolina a and This This game is a must-win for North Carolina a and This, if you go down 0-4... And I understand how how um, how hard the schedule's been, man. They've had North Dakota State. They had to face Duke. They had to, I mean, they, they had to open the season with a tough loss to Central in that neutral site game. If A&T sits at 0-4 and they still have quarterback questions coming out of this game and they still don't really have an answer defensively, I just, for me, I don't know where the season goes from here because you're looking now. Campbell is right now the betting favorite to win the Big South. Bryant has looked better than AT, and there's a lot of question marks on what their true potential, you know, is moving forward. Um, now, for South Carolina State, this is also a big game, and you you bounce back from from a loss from uh, UCF Week One, and you get a big win over Bethune Cookman. A win here is setting up for an absolute barn burner between them and North Carolina Central coming up in mid-October, and uh, the game the game is in uh, the game is at A and T in Greensboro, so um, the the it, it's going to be in uh, Truist Stadium up there up there in A and T. Um, but this is going to become a battle of which quarterback doesn't lose the game for their team. Corey Fields and Zach Yeager have been inconsistent to say the least at times. And it's really going to come down to which quarterback can be more efficient and which quarterback can avoid turnovers. 
And for me right now, due to the fact that I've seen more from Corey Fields, I lean him in this quarterback battle. And then it's also going to come down to who can run the football. Tootin has done a great job for A&T replacing Jermaine Martin in the, in, in the top rushers that they lost this past season. 280 yards thus far throughout this season. But Kendrell Flowers has been electric at times for South Carolina State. If they, as long as South Carolina State does not become one dimensional and this game rests on Corey Fields' shoulders, this is go, this game is, is, is a very winnable game on their schedule. And Shaq Davis is going to be the X Factor man. Three catches this year for two touchdowns already. Shaq Davis is that guy. And so I, I'm going to lean South Carolina State here. I have them winning a close one. I think I don't see this one being a a blowout either way, but I got South Carolina State by seven this weekend over North Carolina A&T as they drop to 0-4. And then when you're looking at their schedule moving forward for A&T, it's going to become extremely difficult to find wins because after South Carolina State, they get Bryant. Then they, you know, they probably beat Edwin Waters. I would, I would suppose you've got to travel to uh, Robert Madison. You get you uh, or Robert Morris, you get Campbell. Then you face Norfolk State. Then you face Charleston Southern. Then you still have to travel to Gardner-Webb. The wins are going to come few and far between for South Carolina State. I mean, for North Carolina AT moving forward. So I'm going to ride with South Carolina State. I just haven't seen enough from North Carolina A&T's passing offense to make me think they can get it done. Um, so for me, I'm going with South Carolina State this weekend. Now, there's some interesting matchups, man, before we get to our games of the week. Now, I will be at Incarnate Word versus Southeastern Louisiana. And this this one's going to be – this is one I'm really excited to see. And it's because I, I get to see that Incarnate Word offense in person and a really good South Southeastern Louisiana secondary coming back from last season. Cephas Johnson has not been – overly impressive and I feel like we still have a lot of question marks for southeastern Louisiana due to the fact that their three games this season have been have been on the road against Louisiana Lafayette Florida Atlantic and then we don't really we didn't really learn much against Central Connecticut State which is a team that is completely overmatched um, in that matchup and when you look at Lindsey Scott and how efficient he's been I talked about him earlier today over a thousand yards passing 13 touchdowns my question becomes, can Southeastern Louisiana keep this game under 35? They don't have Cole Kelly anymore. Their, their running game has been much more efficient this year. Their leading rusher, Washington, over 120 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns. If they can keep this game from getting over 35, they have a chance to win this one at home. But if this game turns into a shootout, I am picking Incarnate Word every single time. I'm still going. I'm still going to say Incarnate Word is my favorite going into this one. I'm going to drop my official score prediction on my website tomorrow. But I'm leaning Incarnate Word on the road in this one just because I believe in their offense to score much more than I believe in SLU to score this this upcoming weekend. Now, Austin P. Eastern Kentucky is going to be another game that I'm really looking forward to. Austin P. has some questions, man. They. I was surprised. I want to give Alabama A&M some credit. Alabama A&M hung in really, really tough with with, with Austin P last week. A 28-3 win for them, but it really didn't break open until late in the game. The, the defense for A&M came to play against an offense that outscored their last two opponents 104 to nothing in Valley and Presbyterian. They played a close game against Western Kentucky week one, so they're sitting at 3-1. and one. Eastern Kentucky – 
has an FBS win on the year, a seven overtime win over Bowling Green. Charleston Southern, a, a huge win last weekend, 40 to 17. The quarterback, this might be the best quarterback battle of the of the season thus far. Parker McKinney, Mike Delelio, both of them have thrown for over over almost 900 yards. They've combined for 23 passing touchdowns this year. This is going to be an amazing, amazing game to watch. Dre McCray versus Allen for Eastern Kentucky at the wide receiver spot is going to be extremely interesting to watch. My pick here is going to go to the team that I think has the better defense. And the better defense, in my opinion, is Eastern Kentucky. They have Matthew Jackson in that front seven. That is going to be a, a game changer against this Austin P defensive line. They have some real studs in the back end of that defense in their secondary I'm going to I'm going to lean Eastern Kentucky in an extremely close game by about three this weekend over Austin P. I think Eastern Kentucky gets it done on the road. I think they're more I think they're more battle tested than Austin P. And so I'm going to lean Eastern Kentucky this upcoming weekend. Now for Delaware and Hampton, oh, man, there's been a lot of hype right now. Over there's been a lot of hype with with Hampton thus far, but for me. I still I still question just the level that the level of competition that they face at times. Um there's a lot of people who look down on the Howard win. They beat Howard by three. Then they go play D2 to Tuskegee, beat them 42 to 10, and then they travel to Norfolk. And that was really the only quality win I see right now on their schedule. They beat Norfolk by 10, 17 to 7 last weekend. And you're 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 coming into Delaware. Delaware is riding high with a big road win against Rhode Island, 42-21, in which they dominated. They were up 35-7 to at halftime, coming off a domination of, of Delaware State, 35-9, to and an FBS win week one on the road, 14-7 to over Navy. I, I have major, major question marks right now for Hampton. I think Delaware makes another statement. Mays at the quarterback spot for Hampton has been – explosive at times with his five touchdowns on over 400 yards of passing, but he's also thrown five interceptions in three games already. This Delaware secondary has an FCS All-American. Kedrick Whitehead got a big interception last week. This Delaware defense, in my opinion, just has too much talent. I think Delaware wins this one handily, and Hampton gets a strong welcome into the CAA officially this weekend against Delaware. Now, Quickly, man, before we get to the games of the week, and I really want to get to y'all's calls about whatever y'all want to talk about, William and Mary versus Elon. This is an extremely, extremely interesting CAA matchup, man. William and Mary has been one of the hottest teams in the country, and Elon, on the other hand, has played extremely well this year. Just sneak, I mean, really, just quietly, man. Their one loss is on the road to Vanderbilt, which is a very, very improved Vandy team. They get a 26-0 win over Wofford and a big win over Gardner-Webb last week. Matthew McKay, which was the starting quarterback for Montana State last year until he announced his transfer right before the playoffs, has been leading this offense. Eight touchdowns, only one turnover, over 800 yards through the air thus far. I, I'm going to I'm gonna say William & Mary wins this one, though. I think they have the better defensive linemen. They have the, the leading sack leader in the country. They also have an FCS All-American across from him. And on top of that, man, Yoder at the running back spot has been unstoppable, almost 400 yards rushing, four touchdowns. And Wilson at the quarterback spot has been extremely efficient, not turning the ball over and being a great leader of this offense. Man, I'm going to pick William & Mary in convincing fashion over Elon this weekend, man. And finally, 
our two our two games of the week, man. Before we get to your calls and comments about whatever games I want to talk about this week, South Dakota State versus Missouri State and Montana State versus Eastern Washington, man. The, these two games are going to be games you have to watch, man. Regardless of who you root for, this you know in terms of FCS football, a top fifth a top fifteen matchup between Montana State and Eastern Washington. This will be on the red turf up in Cheney, Washington, and the one major question for Montana State going into this one is is Montana State going to have any running backs man um they're missing their top three running backs including Isaiah Afonzi coming into this one he they I heard that he might be out till almost November and they're missing their top three running backs and they've really really struggled running the football outside of Malat and and their backup quarterback being their two leading rushers this year and also, Malat has had some injury, has not had some injury, but has had some turnover problems, man. Three interceptions already. And it's really cost Montana State in, in a big way in some of these games, man. Last week against Oregon State, they took an absolute beat down against Oregon State. And then outside of that, they played Moorhead State and McNeese. And I don't think we learned a lot from them. But then you look at Eastern Washington coming off a of bye week, they gave up a nice, crisp you know, 70 piece to Oregon. And then they won a close game against Tennessee state. And some of the national media really don't know where to place that Tennessee state win. They're sitting at 0 and three. Now Draylon Ellis is potentially out for, for a minute. I just, I don't know. I, I think these two teams have so many question marks and that's why you saw Montana state drop in the polls a little bit. And a lot of people just don't know where to place Eastern Washington after only two games. Now I will say, I do think Eastern Washington has the offense to put up some points against a Montana State defense that has some holes in the secondary, to say the least. And if Gunnar Talkington can can throw the ball around like he did against Tennessee State, has over 400 yards and seven touchdowns in only two games, and if Montana State cannot get pressure on him, it's going to be an issue. They don't have Troy Anderson. They don't have Daniel Hardy. They don't have a Mondre Williams from last year. Those are their three biggest defensive pieces in that front seven. The question becomes is can you force Talkington to be uncomfortable in the pocket, and can you slow down Freddie Robertson? Can you slow down Efton Chisholm? That's the biggest question mark. And with and if they were fully healthy, Isaiah Afonsi was there, all that stable of running backs, I really feel confident in their ability to run the football at a high level against Eastern Washington that really struggled against Tennessee State. The It's just I think they're missing too many pieces, man. I'm going to pick Eastern Washington for the upset this weekend at home on the red turf. I think they win a close game. I think it's a back and forth battle, but I just don't think right now that I don't think Montana state is healthy enough right now to pull out this win on the road. I think Eastern Washington's offense has enough to get it done against some of the question marks that Montana state has. So I'm going to pick Eastern Washington for the upset this weekend over Montana state. In a, in a huge win that's going to shake up the rankings, man, with Montana State being a top 10 team right now in the country. And then the other game of the week, South Dakota State versus Missouri State, number number two versus number six. And this is going to be a game that I'm tuned into. My game don't kick off till six o'clock that I'm covering in person. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be tuned in somewhere to watch this game. Jason Shelley versus Mark Gronikowski. The, the Missouri State offensive line that has been atrocious this year, man, giving up double-digit sacks already to a very mobile Jason Shelley. 
but he is right now one of the most electric players in FCS football. 920 yards passing, seven touchdowns, multiple rushing touchdowns, and had Arkansas on the ropes. It's going to come down to can they block an extremely talented front seven for South Dakota State. They have some absolute monsters in the front seven, and Adam Bach might be the best sideline-to-sideline linebacker in the FCS. It's, it's going to, and then on the on the flip side, can they stop Isaiah Davis? He has not had a great year this year, averaging less than five yards per carry after coming into the season, averaging almost eight for his career. It can can South Dakota State just make this a physical, just a physical downhill attack, and just keep keep Missouri State's offense on the sideline and wear out that front seven of Missouri State with that have some talented guys like Kevin Ellis. I'm going to lean South Dakota State here. I think the Yankee, the Yankee brothers are going to make some plays at the wide receiver spot. Mark Gronikowski and Isaiah Davis are going to be able to establish the rushing attack. But I think the X factor is going to be the front seven of South Dakota State. I think they're going to be able to play in the backfield, make this a game where Jason Shelley and Tyrone Scott are going to have to be the only offensive weapons for, for Missouri State. And I have South Dakota State winning this one in a close one on in my opinion and one of the in one of the biggest games of the year thus far but i got south dakota state winning a close one on the road over missouri state man but i'm gonna open back up the call lines man get y'all's calls in then uh any games y'all want to talk about we'll also go through the comments man. we'll be on here for about another 30 minutes three four five four you're live What's up, Blue? This is Sergeant. What's up, sir? What's good, man? Just a couple of questions. Uh, well, actually, just want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. One, wanted to get your thoughts on the rising Eagles from uh, North Carolina uh, Central. And then does uh, uh, your thoughts on the Alabama A&M game coming up this weekend in Bragg? Uh, that's it, brother. I got to go to sleep. Hey, appreciate you, man. Um, so I'll, I'll start with your Brad question, man. Cause I know, I know you're a fam. You guy, and that's one of the games I didn't talk about yet. I think fam, you wins this game. And I think fam, you wins this one convincingly and brag. And I understand people still have a lot of question marks about fam. You, and th- this is a must win for either team, especially fam. You, if you start off with two divisional losses, fam, you season is a wrap. If you go down to one and three, you're 0-2 in your own division. I mean, you're not playing for anything for the rest of the season, and there's a lot of question marks coming up when you go against the Southerners, go against the Alabama States, et cetera. This is a must-win, man. The home crowd's going to be there, man. It's brag. It's a it's a conference, you know, home opener for them. I think I think it's they have enough, and I understand the defense for AM played extremely well. But I, I just don't see them being able to replicate that. I think when you look at when you look at Xavier, when you look at Shareed, you look at some of the weapons that, that FAMU has, the running back spot is a question mark due to some injuries. I think FAMU has enough offensive firepower to make this game a little bit of a shootout, and I don't believe in either quarterback at AM. Quincy Casey and Linkford have not looked good at all. They've have yet to throw a touchdown pass, and they've combined for almost double-digit interceptions. 
I personally don't see how Alabama a wins this game and brag with the offensive inconsistencies that I've seen. I think Bowler in the secondary, Isaiah Major at the linebacker spot, are going to have a field day, and I really do believe Gentle Hunt and Isaiah Land. This is a game that they need to stat pad and make up for some of the the less than stellar performances they've had thus far early in the season. I do, um, you know, Larry, I, I'm picking FAMU in, in, in a big one. And for Central, man, I've been beating, I, I've been leading the bandwagon, beating the drum on Central for, for some weeks now. I said that I, I, personally, I, I personally think, um, for me, Central right now is probably the best team in the MEAC top to bottom. I think... When you look at, they definitely have the be, the best quarterback in the conference. They've had the most consistent offensive line thus far. They've had a top. They have. A, they've had a top two front seven performance. Man, they shut down Rhode Island this past weekend, and they have one of the better secondaries. So for me, they have everything you need. And Trey Oliver has been motivated. They were probably a play or two away from going to the Celebration Bowl last year. I'm beating the drum on Central, man. I think they could be extremely good. I really do, and I think this could be the year they meet Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl. And yes, I say Jackson State because right now they're my pick to come out of the swag because I haven't seen anything different um, from any other team that's going to be able to knock them off and keep them from getting to Atlanta. And if the biggest thing for Jackson State, if Central can win out, beat Campbell, beat South Carolina State, get through unblemished, man, you're talking about a potential top 15 FCS matchup in Atlanta for the Celebration Bowl. And I know rankings don't matter because, you know, no one goes to the playoffs or whatever. But that could be a huge, huge development where you have two undefeated teams, top 15 in the country, meeting the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. You're talking about it, it is going to be extremely anticipated. I know people want to see South Carolina State make it. But if Central and Jack State can get there undefeated and have that ranked matchup, that uh, to me that's going to draw so many just average viewers to that game from across the from from across the FCS. I, I would I would love to see that, and so that's where I that's where I stand on um that's where I stand on Central. Man, Russell, I understand. Listen, I, I'm, I ordered my uh ordered my South Carolina State hat for you, man. If, if South Carolina State beats Central, and I think I, I'm trying to work it out, um where I can be there, Russell. If, if they go out there and win that game, man, listen, I'm wearing my South Carolina State stuff on the show for you. Um, let's see, I need another game or two before I put NCCU in the top 25. I mean, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I, I think where the FCS stats has them at 25, that's fine. I have them a little bit higher, and it's just because I, I think they've looked that impressive, Sonic Boom. Um, for me... I understand. There's still questions about what A&T is. You know, they played what Winston-Salem State for one, and then there's still questions on whether New Hampshire was overranked or overrated. Uh, but it was the way they won them, in my opinion, that made it impressive. They, they, in my, in my opinion, watching that uh, North Carolina A&T game, I personally don't think it should have been as close as the score predicted. I think they look like the better team from the jump. And if it weren't for like one explosive play, man, I mean, that, that thing could have been three touchdown difference. And when you go and look what they did to New Hampshire, where they, they went on the road and they just absolutely put on a show. They were extremely efficient through the air and on the ground. I think they had about 200 on the ground and through the air. Davius Richards looks like the real deal. And so I, I think they've done enough on it. Boom. Um, let's see. I won't be watching the show if you dress like that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. 
um, here to say A&M is beating FAMU. I don't know about that, Reese. I don't know about that. If if the Montana State Bobcats are going to be Eastern Washington, Tommy touched, uh, touched Tommy needs to take care of the football. I agree, Ron. That's the number one thing. If Tommy continues to turn the football over like he has been, there, there's no chance Montana's, uh, Montana State uh, wins that game. NDSU and Missouri State <laughs> had FBS games that should have had been wins. So I can promise when those t- three teams play this year, it'll be heavyweight hitting till the fourth. I'm excited to see it, man. I'm excited to see it, Dave. Steve, you're live. What's up, man? I believe we are love. So, war ego. <laughs> you're wild, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but thanks for taking my call. As about saying, you know, I know uh, um, Coach Prime's getting all the hype for coaching. What about Coach Willie Sims? I mean, he's been doing back to back to back nine and two seasons, and also that playoff burst. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe it's time to you know move on. I know that's the crib from, that's home from. You know, he's from Quincy, and his whole family went to FAMU, uh, and his wife from wife is from FAMU as well. What do you think? What, what do you think about him getting the job? Maybe he had a group of five or somewhere that could pay him more in his assistance. And also, when I said Auburn, like you know, there's Tim Brewster on the staff. You got Coach uh, Zimmer from the uh, Minnesota Vikings. They need more than forty thousand dollars, man. You know what I'm saying? So I know Dion talked about it. I hope they could somehow pay for his assistance. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, appreciate uh, appreciate you, man. No problem. I love when Blue plays the middle and won't won't read the. Amen. <laughs> hey, I I love it. Um, A and M will come out uh, with the upset. I don't think FAMU can handle the man defense of A and M. You likes to run. It's successful. That I, I would like to see that Reese. We'll see. Zero six five eight. You're live. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, for sure, man. Yeah, man. Um, I, I just dropped your channel. I think like last week, just kind of, uh, you know, it was an interesting channel. So you know, it's cool. You know, these guys talking about, uh, you know, uh, Jackson State. But um, I just got a question for you, real quick. Just I'm from my curiosity. You know, what if JSU next year play the Ole Miss and beat them? So what do you think about that? Um, <laughs> I mean, it probably it would probably shake the state um of Mississippi to say the Mississippi. least. Yeah, I mean, it Mississippi would never be the same if they went in there and beat Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, especially because you know, based on the way Lane's recruiting, um, I mean, that probably a top twenty five upset. So it, it would not only shake up the state of Mississippi, it would probably shake up just college football in general and. Man, if you think the rumors of prom to whatever power five job you want to insert is strong now, let him go in there and beat Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss in Oxford. Man, all hell would break loose. And I think that's why Ole Miss is probably not going to schedule Jackson State anytime soon. And I think that's something that hey, I, I, I want to see them. His job would be on the line like a mother. <laughs> I mean, happened, right? They might fire him on the field. I mean, really, a true. I mean, fired. yeah. I mean, like this comment says, Mississippi's government would shut the whole state down. It'd be a state of emergency if that happened. Right? Are we gonna get some riots? <laughs> we gonna get some riots and fight? Man, you know, 
uh, as much as is you know as much as Ole Miss is never going to schedule that game, I think next year is a big year because you know there was this narrative around North Dakota State this year where they were the favorite over Arizona, and they didn't get that one done, and you know it was disappointing for everyone. That's I really and truly depend if if Jackson State finishes the season like I think they can where. I don't think there's anyone who's going to touch them this year in conference play. If they get through that, there's going to be a narrative surrounding that Texas State game next year that it's a winner bust type game. And it's going to be really interested to see how the media is going to hype that game up and what's going to happen if one, they win, or two, you know, they, it was it's a close game. Because for me, right now, looking up projecting to next year. Jackson State's going to have the best team on the field that game, and and that's going to be a game that I expect Jackson State to win next year. Right, right. I mean, like, you even look at UFM, they don't want to play them. You know, University of Southern Mississippi, they're not trying to play Jackson State. U- USM don't want to play their, their conference. Uh, USM's terrible. I'll just put that out there. I mean, they played <laughs> Miami well, what, two weeks ago? I think they had a lead over Miami mm-hmm. at one point, but uh, – Right now, Jackson State has more talent than Southern Miss. Right. And they have more popularity. Like, I was just saying, it's like on my own, like, little thing. Um, I think that JSU is the most popular team as far as football goes um, right now from all, all, all the other uh, college football teams in Mississippi. I think JSU is the most popular. And they got celebrities coming out to the games. A lot of people are tweeting and shouting them out. You know, you had Dwayne The Rock Johnson pulling up to the practice, you know, he, he's not going to Ole Miss. He's not going to, you know, Mississippi uh, State. He's not going to, you know, University of Southern Miss. He went to Jackson State. So, popularity-wise, I, I would say Jackson, um, you know, definitely, man. But, dude, I like, I don't know, I'm an instigator. But, uh, dude, like this, imagine that in the headlines, the battle for Mississippi. You know, imagine if – like, let's go a little bigger. Let's say if JSU put uh, Southern, uh, University of Southern Miss Mississippi State and Ole Miss all on their schedule and beat all of them. I, I, okay, one realistically zero chance they beat all of them. But Atlas, I'm really high on Mississippi State. That team's good. I'll say that. Man, Will, Will Rogers is the real deal. But they could beat USM. I'll, I'll say that. But if I'm not mistaken, um, I believe that game was offered, and USM said no. If I'm not to, I, to I Jackson could be, State or to uh, to, to Jackson State to Jackson State, yeah, I, I can believe it. It's the same thing with you know North Dakota State getting turned down by some teams, but um, I, I believe USM turned that down, and you know I don't know if there's been any talks between you know Ole Miss or Mississippi State, but I, I would just imagine it's kind of like the Bama effect where Bama has yet to play an HBCU on their schedule, but. Auburn consistently plays, you know, Alabama State, Alabama A&M. But for some reason, you know, Ole Miss, Mississippi State just won't schedule that game. And now with the popularity and the talent gap not being what it was, I would be really surprised if they put that game on the schedule. And the the pregame press conference would be my most look forward to thing. You get Prom and Lane Kiffin talking, sign me up for that all week. Yeah, I'm I'm, it's like it's it's, it's getting WWE. Speaking of Dwayne Rock Johnson, that's gonna be WWE, right? <laughs> I, I love Listen, it. I got man, one but... more thing. I got. I got one more thing I got to say before I let you go, man. Because uh, you know I want to take off your show. You may have other callers, but 
I do want to say this. I know a lot of people are talking about the potential of Coach Prime possibly leaving and going to a set Auburn or Georgia Tech or, you know, what, et cetera. And I don't see that happening, you know, um, with his sponsor deals and things of that nature, you know, with, um, you know, like Under Armour. I don't see Auburn allowing him to do what he's doing, his, his work with Barstool. I, I don't see an Auburn or a Georgia Tech allowing him to do that because if, if they just want prime and they're willing to just let him do whatever, then they're extremely desperate to get back into like you know like just like Georgia Tech. Who who wants to go there? You know. But um, uh, my, my point I was trying to make was um, going back to taking back on what, what we were talking about earlier. Um, if they get to that depth of recruiting and players, then they may have to just leave the swag and go to a power, uh, like a, a bigger conference, you know, go, go play in the big Ten, go play in the Pac, uh, uh, the Pac 12, you know, like, uh, what, 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 what would be your thoughts on that? And I, and that's, that's it. I'm out. I appreciate you, man. Um, you know, like I said, um, the, the jump to power five isn't necessarily realistic, but it's going to be interesting to see as the CUSA, the Sun Belt, um, and some of these smaller conferences evolve who they start giving invites to. But I can't imagine due to the fact of popularity and things like that, that they that Jack State couldn't potentially be in negotiations. But we'll see, man. I, there's, there's a lot that plays into conference realignment, but I would imagine they're on the short list for some of these conferences as, as, um, as conferences look for potential candidates to move up. Steve, you know your line. Valley 35. I mean, Valley, I don't, uh, did Valley, has Valley scored 20 in a game yet? I, I don't think Valley scored 20 in a game yet. Steve, you're, you're crazy on that one, man. Um, but let me, let me get to Reese's comment. AM versus Vandy next year. We'll see. Uh, Vandy played real well early this season. We'll see what Clark Lee has that team looking like. But, uh, right now, if if A and M doesn't get their quarterback issues figured out, Reese, I can't pick them to beat an FCS school, especially after what I just saw UAB do to A and M. It's hard to project a year out, but right now, I, I can't pick A and M to win that game over Vandy. Allcorn and the SWAC will beat JSU. JSU hasn't been challenged, but but they will be um, against ASU. I'm excited for that game, man. Um, I picked that game for my FCS game of the week. Um, was it the 19th? And so I'll be at that game. I'll be down in Lorman for that one. Hopefully no rain delay this time. And, and we, we can actually get a full crowd because there was a big crowd there for Stephen F. Austin. And then the rain delay hit and every, every, everything went went down, man. But real quick, listen, uh, thanks to you guys. You know, DraftKings j- jumped, on the, jumped on the podcast, man. Sponsor, man. So we're going to pay some bills real quick. We're going to come back, wrap up with some calls and some comments, man. Appreciate y'all tuning in. The NFL season is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbooks, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, Everybody can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. And with payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? 
To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use promo code BLUEBLOODS to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game this weekend. That's code BLUEBLOODS only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. We are back, man. Appreciate y'all for that, man, because without y'all, Man, none of that happens, but um, he's, he said 4,000 to nothing, Valley. So, someone wants to be silly, I'll be silly too. I mean, let's okay, let's have a realistic conversation. I know that's what some people want to talk about. I mean, what is a win for Valley? Okay, and I'm not talking about because I don't think there's any chance they, they win the football game, but what is what is a win for them? Like, where you can leave the vet on Saturday night. And say, okay, at least we did X, Y, and Z. At least we competed on this level. Um, you know, what what would be a win for Valley? Because for me, man, I think I, I think it could get extremely uncomfortable for that program, and if they really go out there and lose sixty something to nothing, I and it's just, man, I, I if I could explain how uninterested I am in watching that game, realistically, just because. I just I just don't see it even being fun to watch. Uh, it's, it's it's just gonna be it's gonna be sad and it's and it, I'm not you know dogging on the valley because I talked to someone close to the program and they're just like man we just don't have we, man we don't have the resources anything like that and it, it and it's and it's disappointing to see that man but um I I don't know I I'm, I'm just I'm not looking forward to watching that that, that game at all. Uh, so according. According, so I've heard two different things. Um, I heard something about he had to work out some academics behind the scenes, and then I also heard he just he just wasn't playing well in practice the first few weeks, and so they were kind of scared to pull the trigger on him. But apparently, he established himself at the end of that Delta State game, and that is that is why now he has been he's been named the starter, mighty. So that's that's what I've been told, and you know the way Dancy put it in the press conference is that he just wasn't playing well in practice and that he's a gamer and that some days he comes out there and practice and plays really well and other days he doesn't have a good day. And, you know, I, I mentioned this about D, uh, D Davis as well, where sometimes you get these playmakers and they don't perform well in practice because you take away their biggest asset, which is that big playability and their ability to um, their, their ability to almost quote unquote freestyle outside the pocket. And that doesn't translate well in practice, and so I think that's what he got called up in is the fact that he his his what he could do in the game was not translating well in practice at all. That may be the funniest lead in for a team. What is a win for Valley? And he <laughs> that's a rough one to hit. Man, it's 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 rough. You just lost to a D two team, and now you're going up against the number eleven team in the country at home with everything to with them wanting to pretty much stat pad. I just I can't think of a worse um, situation for them. A win for Valley is two to four sacks, 200 yards and points on the board. A competitive first quarter. Getting the new field turf and upgrades this year would be a huge W for Valley. A win for Valley is more than zero points. If Valley don't win a game this this year, they should go D2. A win for Valley if they don't get shut out, at least score. Valley's going to play like their lives to, um, and scholarships depend on it. Um, I'm not watching JSU versus Valley, no disrespect, but no. 
if JSU ever beat Ole Miss, they kidnap all three Sanders and we find them. <laughs> oh my God. I Matt, I gotta start Sonic Boom. I'm gonna have to start reading your comments all the way through, man. You're gonna get my channel demonetized and everything. Why doesn't JSU just let the other swag teams they're in the least because they're ready to go fight while they go to the playoffs? I mean, I can't touch that one. Listen, um, playoffs don't make any money, and that's just where we're gonna where we're gonna leave it. And you know, looking at swag play. So after, you know, I know who a lot of y'all in the comments are picking as the favorite for the East, and it is Jackson State, which is fair because, you know, D. Davis has some injury issues for um, for Alabama State, uh, Valley, no chance. Alabama A&M has had quarterback issues. FAMU's already a game behind and just got the their doors blown off. Bethune-Cookman just got blown out by South Carolina State. Who is y'all's favorite in the West right now in, in the swag in ter- after, after what just happened with Southern, who was voted preseason favorites? For that division, um, I'm v- really interested to see who's y'all's favorite right now in the SWAC West to come out of that division. Because right now, I think it's I think it's um, a toss up between uh, PV and Alcorn, really and truly. I, I really think that that's the toss up because PV already has a leg up on Texas Southern, beating them week one. But man, Alcorn, in my opinion, has looked like the most consistent team in that division right now. Uh, Valley might be have to be an, an, an AI team with their lack of money. Valley should really consider dropping down to D two. I pick I pick all corn from the West. All corn, all corn will win the West, no doubt. All corn, realistically, JSU versus all corn for the SWAC championship. My pick is Valley for second in the East. You are you are a lie on that one, Sonic Boom. I know you're lying. All corn and Grambling. All corn, all corn. Um, it's not that it's not that JSU is that good, but the coaching is bad. Coach Sander exposes that. We got another Alcorn pick here for the West, and Valley might need to be D three after next week. Jesus Christ, man, y'all are y'all are really piling it on for for Valley. But no, I agree with the Alcorn pick. I will say the dark horse after what I saw last week is probably is going to have to be Texas Southern because if their defense can perform like that, force some turnovers, and allow that offense to play with a lead and feel a lot more comfortable than that offense was used to feeling last year. I think the, the, the Texas Southern could be scary if that defense keeps evolving. It's just the problem is I haven't seen that consistently. We didn't see that week one against PV where, I mean, they just gave up rushing yard after rushing yard and rushing touchdown and explosive play after explosive play. And then they go play North Texas. I don't, I don't take a lot of, um, I don't have a lot of takeaways from that game because it wasn't a game I expected them to compete in. But then you come out this weekend and shut out Southern, and it was a team that was supposed to be extremely um, extremely improved, to say the least. Um, and and, and for, with Grambling, I, as I saw one Grambling pick in there, I just <sighs> – Grambling, it, to me, is a big mystery. And it's because the only game that I've seen a a complete um, a complete performance from Grambling was against a Northwestern State team that I, I was to say the least has major question marks. And there were some they just haven't, other than that, been able to put together a, a complete game all season. And I, I have major question marks as they get into swag play is. What is the offensive identity going to be? Because it seems like every single time they get the running game going, they pull it away from their top players. I understand Maurice Washington was dealing with cramps and, and things like that last weekend, but man, I don't think he's had a game where he's had over five carries, and that's not going to win you top conference games this season. 
the quarterback play has been inconsistent. I don't, and I just, for 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 me, I I don't see how Grambling ultimately competes. I think it's PV, and I think it's Allcorn, and then it's everyone else, and you could just kind of slot them where they may fall. And I really do think right now, due to the fact that their defense looks much improved, the quarterback play has been fairly consistent, and their run game, um, th- their their run game has been extremely explosive, especially with the new addition of the Syracuse transfer. I think Alcorn right now is my strong favorite. The one question mark is: is can they go into Baton Rouge and win a very very interesting October fifteenth game against Southern? I think that's going to be uh, a big question mark right now. Blue FM, you lose this to AM. Well, man, I think FAMU's out of it now. I'm, listen, Reese, um, everyone ev- right now, the only way, the only way they are in it now is do you see Jackson State losing two conference games and do you see FAMU winning out? I mean, I think they're out of it right now. Jackson State, I don't see two losses on that schedule, Reese, especially in conference. I think FAMU's out of the conference race. Now, what FAMU's fighting for is a potential playoff bid. And I still think they're going to be on the outside looking in because, excuse me, D2 wins don't count on your resume for the playoff committee. So right now they have zero wins in the eyes of the playoff committee. They're 0-2, and they have nothing to hang their hat on. So I think they're out of the championship race. And right now it's going to be hard-pressed to put them in the playoff race unless they start beating teams like they're supposed to. Stop it. Texas Southern will not complete with uh, Alcorn State. PV will not beat Alcorn State. Alcorn hasn't even got started yet. And I picked Alcorn to I picked Alcorn to win the win the division, man. I got you. I, I picked Alcorn to win the division. Grambling is going in the right direction. They just have to gel. They will do well in the SWAC. That's fair. Do you think the SWAC West w- winner will get an at-large bid? No. Um, so you can't get a bid to the playoffs if you go play in the SWAC championship. So the only people who would be eligible are the second place teams in each division, and I don't see a team in the SWAC right now that is going to have the resume to get that at large bid. If FAMU loses to AM, can they go back to the MEAC? And you are insane. Uh, Allcorn, number one in the West. No, and at large bid for the SWAC. FAMU uh, saw that last year. What are Chattanooga's chances to knock off Illinois? Can Lindenwood upset UT Martin? You know, um, I think I forgot to play that slide. It might be my bad. I might have um, accidentally did that. Yeah, so that's one of my games, uh, man, that I I picked to watch in terms of FBS versus FCS games. It's getting later in the season, which, you know, this segment will probably go away from the show. But I think think Chattanooga versus Illinois, probably the least chance out of the three. I I think you got to give them probably like a 20% chance right now, man. I think that's the most I give them. I think Sac State probably beats Colorado State, especially after what happened last year. South Dakota State went in there and just smacked them around. And then Fordham's offense with Tim DeMorat versus Ohio is going to be extremely interesting if they turn that game into a shootout. So I I, I would say those those three games are are my games to watch for FBS versus FCS games this week. The West will be very fun to watch play out. I don't think Jax is that far state is that far ahead of the rest. It's still open. I'm excited to see the West play. Can't lie. Another Alcorn pick here. Being in the West isn't saying much. I don't know yet. Uh, JM, I'll talk to my Alcorn guy to either tonight or tomorrow, and I'll I'll break it on the roundtable. So tune into the roundtable tomorrow with off script, and I'll, I'll address the punter. I'll, I'll try to find uh, find out if he's back or not. Being the best in the Swag West is like being. <laughs> 
as far as God. Oh, my goodness. I was hoping Alabama a and would beat Austin P. The defense played very good. The defense – the, the defense played great, man. Um, they've really held an explosive Austin P offense down to one of their lowest totals of, of, of the season. And uh, the question becomes is can they make it consistent? Because they had some performances last year that inspired a little bit of confidence. But after that, man, they could never put it together for a, an extended amount of time. They played two solid games against Troy and Austin P. They don't win either of them due to the quarterback play. But the question becomes is can they put it together this weekend against a FAMU offense that say what you will after what Jackson State did to them. They do have weapons on the offensive side of the football. It's going to it's gonna become a question mark if A&M could just put a streak together, SWAC fans. So that that would be my question mark for them. How long will it take for North Carolina T to be good again? It depends on if they let Sam Washington go, Sonic Boom. I think that's that's the major question moving forward for AT is do they do they have a new head coach next year? And then we can get to that question. JSU should be moved to the West. If Fordham's quarterback puts up big numbers and beats Ohio, you got to keep him at number one. If if Tim DeMorat goes out there and he throws for three, four hundred yards against Ohio and, and gets the and gets the win, I think he might. He he could have. He has a strong argument to to be a guaranteed finalist for the Walter Payton Award, in my opinion. If he goes out there and puts up a performance like that against an FBS squad. What's life like at Colorado State if they get double-digit blown out by an FCS school in back-to-back seasons? Uh, not promising, Dave. Very, A very, very bleak future. And life gets really difficult for Colorado State. Back-to-back years getting beat by double digits by an FCS school. A&M after Austin P will be like FAMU after UNC. Um, I'm just got my night class. Hey, man, you can catch the replay, man. Um, and I appreciate you tuning in, though. Who do you think is going to win the MEAC right now? I think I think Central right now would be my pick, Bruce. I think NCCU and um, and South Carolina State are probably one and two. And then I think this – I never thought I'd say this. Um, I think Morgan State finishes third in the MEAC right now. I, I think that team is that good. I don't believe in Howard, Norfolk State right now. Delaware State looks a little bit – looks a little bit inconsistent. I think it's going to be NCCU, South Carolina State. You can argue as 1A, 1B right now. And then Morgan State sitting there at third. I just don't know if Morgan State has the quarterback play to actually win it this year. I mean, Damon Wilson is going to have that team extremely, extremely um, competitive going into next season. Is NC, uh, Let's see. Is NCCU a playoff team if they don't win the MEAC? They're going to have to win every single game except for the South Carolina State game, and they're going to have to lose that one by less than seven if they're going to realistically make a run at the playoffs. They they would have an out-of-conference win over Campbell. They would have an out of on the road, by the way. They would have a road conference win over number 25, New Hampshire. They would have an out-of-conference win over North Carolina A&T. Odds are one of those two teams wins the Big South, so they would have a win over a conference champion in the playoffs. And then, and then they would have all those MEAC wins outside of a close loss to South Carolina State on the road too. I think NCCU could potentially be in the in the running for an at large bid, man. I do, and I said that last episode that that would be that would be an interesting scenario for HBCUs if Tennessee State can win the OVC, A and T can win the Big South, and NCCU could be an at large bid. You potentially have the possibility for three HBCUs in the playoffs this year. But the big question is. 
Could Tennessee State and North Carolina A&T overcome 0-3, 0-4 starts and be healthy enough to make a run for the for the conference titles? Colorado State is bad in all three phases. Alcorn plays Mississippi State next year. I would love to play Austin P along with Stephen F. Austin. I know Alcorn also plays Stephen F. Austin next year, and I think they play McNeese again next year too. So um, they could get revenge on Stephen F. Austin next year on the road. Who did JSU beat outside the SWAC? Tennessee State um, is their only win outside the SWAC right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, do JSU win the Celebration Bowl? I think they make it. We'll see who they play. Uh, we'll see who they play first, man, before I you know, give my prediction for the Celebration Bowl. I want to see who makes it there. The SWAC needs to meet. The SWAC is not stable. <laughs> yeah, definitely hit the like button, man, to share. Sac State will beat Colorado State. I agree. I, I don't think that one's going to be close. Uh, oh, man, JM. So if they finish second, so you're looking at what? A close loss to Sac, uh, a close loss to Stephen F. Austin, a big loss to Tulane, and then what? You, I would, ah, oh, man, a three loss Alcorn State team. I don't think I don't think makes it because Alcorn would have to lose one SWAT game. And the problem is, is I, I don't know if the West is I think you probably might win that division with one loss. And so if you get two SWAC losses and you're sitting at four losses for Alcorn State, I don't think you get in the I, I don't think you get in the playoffs. So it, it would be tough. I just don't think the division is good enough because I think. A one Alcorn State's the favorite for the division, and if they if they lose that game, I just don't know if they got the the resume. So I would say probably not JM. I think it's I think it's win the division or bust for Alcorn State because I don't think a one loss conference record is go, not going to win the division in the West. Yeah, Tennessee State's quarterback is hurt for the next few weeks. We'll see how long it is. Bring back Swack in the full man. That, listen, me and G are gonna, me G and, and J Max are gonna be doing some more shows, man. I, it's coming. That's crazy. And Miak team has to go ten and one just to make the playoffs. So much disrespect. Yeah, I mean, it. it it's a fact, man. Uh, as sad as it is, um, I mean, they potentially could make it if they had two losses. It would just depend on where that loss came, Roby, and and who it was to. If they lost like a close game on the road to Campbell, I mean, you could still. Probably, I would say you still have a chance to make it in. That would be a two-loss team. Um, it just also depends on what the bubble looks like because year to year the bubble fluctuates depending on who is on the bubble and what happens. If chaos ensues in the Big Sky, the MVFC, etc., it's going to be it's going to be a lot harder to make it. It just it fluctuates year in and year out. So I think I would I was just saying one loss to be safe. They'd be a guarantee shoe in a two loss NCCU team, depending on how and when they lost also would be a candidate. I just don't know if it'd be a 100% guarantee. I like Fordham over Ohio. Tim DeMore going for 300 yards. I like that. Colorado State has Jade Norvell from Nevada. and He's going to take a while to get his players in. Plus Colorado State fired. Last year was a horrible hire to begin with. It was a bad hire. I, and I think he was the guy that had like behind the scenes. Um, um, I th- I, he had some behind the scenes issue with how he was treating players, man. I, man, I can't give early predictions because then y'all hold them. You hold me to them. And when things change, then like I can't, I can't get it back, man. So I, I always hold my predictions close to the vest until it's time uh, and time to make them. Um, I somewhat agree, but even with the win, I'm not sure the resume is better than FAMU's last year. I think it is. 
Sonic Boom. I think it is because if I'm not mistaken, I don't think FAMU had a top 25 win. And I don't think FAMU was beaten out of conference teams like that. They would have a win over New Hampshire, Campbell, and A&T. I mean, that's three FCS out-of-conference wins. So I think I think NCCU, if they had one or two losses, their resume would be better than FAMU's last year. Just all, just in my opinion. Of course, I'm not on the committee, but that it would be a better resume in my opinion. Start our own instead of play the National Sports Association. Everyone would like the HBCUs in the playoffs. There's no disrespect from the rest of the FCS. Um Hey, appreciate you tuning in, man. Um, after the whole JSU versus Ole Miss discussion, after the FBS versus FCS segment goes away, you should do a segment with FBS versus FCS schools. We like to see by region and state. I might uh, that'll be like a definitely an all season topic, man. Just like potential FBS versus FCS matchups. I would like to see the next season. I'll, I'll get that rolling. Um, FCS needs a play in game like basketball. Just <laughs> just all the at large teams have to play each other to get in. I, I'm cool with that. Listen, more football for me, the better. And I, that's how I always look at it. More football, the better. Yes, uh, Steve had a track record at Temple, Florida, BC for disrespecting players and talking down to the coaching staff, out of bounds stuff. That's what I thought because um, at that time I was doing a lot of FBS coverage. And if I remember right, a bunch of players came out and pretty much and it was like right before the COVID season, if I'm not mistaken, where they were pretty much saying, if you don't fire him, we're going to walk away and we're not going to be in this program anymore. So um, I, I, he deserved to be fired, man. That that goes back to you got to hire the right person for those jobs, man. And sometimes you just, when you whiff on a hire, it sets your program back years, man. One bad hire can set your program back five, six years minimum. And that's if you nail the second hire and multiple, multiple time, multiple in a row, bad hires will set your program back a long time. Look at Nebraska, Kansas, et cetera, man. There's been some examples of repeated bad hires will tank a program for forever, man. Not a bad idea with the play-in games. Uh, they're usually fun to watch. I'm telling you, uh, listen, the NBA's went to it. The uh, NCAA tournaments went to it. But the problem is um, in football, it would be a hard to argue because those teams are already probably not going to win the championship. And then, you know, you would uh, – uh, you you would you would arguably have the argument that you know why do we have to play more games than everyone else and so that that would be the one that would be the one problem with football because not self-imposed fcs pws continue to not change the fcs rules so hbcus can have send our chance to the celebration bowl and have fcs automatic bids um this is like half true so listen it, it was a decision by it, it was a decision uh it, it was a decision by the swag to not take an auto bid and, and it's because right now and and this goes for this isn't just like an hbc rule this is just an fcs rule where conference championship games count as postseason games at the fcs level so therefore you cannot be in the playoffs if you play a postseason game and so the fact that the swag has kept their um, postseason game and also the fact that when the playoffs expanded they had to push the first week back and the Bayou Classic isn't moving is a lot of um, is a lot of the reason why the automatic bid is probably never coming back and I mean we're, we're kind of in limbo and up until the playoffs start becoming more financially 
beneficial for everybody. I don't see I don't see any budging on either side, man. So there, there's there's a whole lot to dissect here when you, when you go into why the Swack and Miag don't have automatic bids, especially when you include the Celebration Bowl where they get a large um a large purse right now. Okay, yeah, the Miag, yeah, the Miag's a little bit different, but um the Miag in my opinion should uh should have an automatic bid. The problem is you only have six teams and so what is that? Uh, the, and the argument would be, Roby, the, the the main argument from other FCS fans would be, if our if only our conference champions quote unquote get automatic bids, then why should the second place team in the MEAC get automatic bids? And so it would probably the only way I could see that working is if they give the MEAC champion automatic bid to the playoffs, and then y'all send the second place team to the celebration bowl. And I don't think the celebration bowl would take uh, very kindly to that. I don't think the MEAC would want to do that either. So there's this, there's this a lot of politics behind the scenes. Um, a lot of politics behind the scenes that you have to navigate. Our fans are not interested in playing other FCS schools. That's true. Um, football question. MEAC. Uh, let's What's the Miak have six? Swack East have has six. Swack West has six. What's the difference? Um. So, I mean, I I got you, but I mean, it's different between having six, you know, divisions having six and the entire conference having twelve teams rather than just one conference having six teams. It, it, I mean, it's a little different, Russell. Listen, the Miak is going to be fine based on what I've been hearing anyway. And I, with Howard sticking around, it everything's going to be, um, everything's going to be cool, man. So I, I get what you mean, but it, we're talking about automatic bids, and so divisions don't have bids here, Russell. That's the only reason it would, I would make that distinction is that a whole conference gets a bid, not just divisions, and that's why the Miak only having six teams would be a problem. Um, why not Alcorn have three losses? Northern Iowa had five losses. Strength of schedule argument because we, um, let me pull up Northern Iowa's schedule. This this is this this would be the argument uh, for the committee. And listen, Alcorn with three losses could potentially make it. But the main reason I said no, Steve, is because I don't think that their three losses would be Tulane, Stephen F. Austin. Then they what Jackson State? You would give them a loss. I think if if Alcorn State has one loss in conference, I personally think they still win that division. I don't see anyone in that division going undefeated in conference because right now everyone has a loss but Alcorn and PV, I think, are the only two teams that don't have a conference loss right now. I just can't – if Alcorn only has one loss and it's to Jackson State, they win that division because they would, they would beat everyone else in there. So that's why I don't think they would get in with three losses. It's not that the resume wouldn't be there. It's just I think they'll win the SWAC West and they would have to go to the championship. So I've talked about this. Um, I talked about this a little bit, Roby, on, on another episode. The reason they moved the the reason when it expanded, they shifted the playoffs to the week it is, is because they don't want to have to play the week of Christmas. And also on top of that, um, they want to try to get the northern schools and the playoffs played before that you know the they don't want to be playing on Christmas and also they don't want to push it back into January and really have to compete as much with the NFL playoffs and so that's the reason it's mainly just scheduling because and then also the northern schools and the horrible weather it's really hard to play in the north in January and we see that and some of the some of the northern schools don't have the resources of a 
North Dakota State or whatever to have a dome. And so that 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 would be the argument that they use not to move it back. But I agree. I wish they could work it out some way where the scheduling would work out and everyone would have a fair chance to get in the playoffs. He said, Howard's sticking around for now. Can't tell me if Jackson State ripped off three straight to Frisco Wednesday won't make way more than the celebration bowl. That school will be on fire with positive outcomes. Alcorn will have four losses. Don't worry. <laughs> Alcorn played a top 20 schedule you didn't know. Alcorn would have to sweep the rest of the way to have a chance. They should at least let the winner of the Celebration Bowl. They can't do that. Um, listen, the Celebration Bowl isn't played till I think it's the 16th. I got it written down here because I'm going to be at that game. So the week of... The week of the Celebration Bowl, man, is the is the week of the semifinal games. So the the winner of the celebration bowl won't be able to get won't be able to skip three rounds of the playoffs. Um to to make that happen, they would have to move the playoffs back almost three weeks, or you would have to move the celebration bowl all the way up. And t- I mean you would have to move it way up because the week of the SWAC championship is um is the weekend of the second round games. Because the first the first week of the playoffs is the same weekend as Southern Grambling State in the Bayou Classic, so that's the problem. Is you can't have the winner, um, can't have the winner of the Celebration Bowl get an automatic bid because the playoffs are in the already past the quarterfinals. I mean, like the national champion. I mean, the national championships pretty much already set by then. Let's see, and it, it'd be negative sixty in January, and that's a nice day. <laughs> um. So I have to beg to participate. Do you think Bobby Petrino gets the FBS job? It's probably his last chance, to be honest with you. Um, if he w- so uh, I'll be dropping the episode of Coach's Corner tomorrow, man. I want to pull this up again. Make sure to be on the lookout, man. Coach Fred and me break down some of the biggest games of the week, recap some of the ones from week three on Coach's Corner. Drop in tomorrow morning. Stay tuned for that. And he talked about if – Missouri State beats uh, South Dakota State this weekend. It, does he start really popping up on people's radars? And that's a major question. I think I'm very surprised we haven't heard his name linked to any of these jobs, Steve. And I think if they make a big run in the playoffs and they have a big year, potentially win the MVFC or whatever, make a run of the semifinals, I would be surprised if he doesn't get a shot somewhere. I think he's earned it, and and I think that he used Missouri State perfectly as a stepping stone to get that next that that next shot. That's a fact. I'm from New Jersey, and trying to watch Monmouth in, Jer- in January would not be fun. I agree. The Swack and Miak don't make enough money for all member institutions to make financial sense to give up a conference championship game in the Bayou Classic. I agree. Winner of the Celebration Bowl versus the FCS champ. <laughs> Bring the Super Bowl to Mobile. Let's do an FCS NIT. Man, I've been screaming, not just the NIT. I just want a bowl game system for the FCS. And it pisses me off we don't have one Sonic Boom with me. And we've talked about that on this show. Uh, I want to see a bowl system for the FCS. 1 1, 1 2, you're live. Hey, Blue, how you doing? What's good, man? Good. Yeah, okay, I had a question about the uh the FCS playoffs. Okay, mm-hmm. you said the winner of the East or the uh the East or the West in the Swift can't go to the FCS playoffs because uh of uh how the conference championship is already played during the FCS playoff week, right? Yeah. 
the oh my bad hang on the 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 week of the SWAC championship is the week of the second round of the playoffs. So you would miss the first two rounds by going to the um to to, to the SWAC championship. That's why you can't um be eligible for the playoffs if you win if you win your division in the SWAC. Okay, see what I'm still confused about. All the other FCS schools, they play conference championship games as well, right? No. The SWAC is the nope. only oh. yeah, the SWAC's the only FCS conference that has a ch- conference championship game. So all the FCS conferences uh-huh. are just like the MEAC, where the team with the best conference record at the end of the year wins the conference. Wow. So the SWAC is the only FCS school that has a conference championship game. Yes. I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. All right. That's all I have. Appreciate hey, man. Appreciate you calling in. Yep. Bye. Yeah. So. Swag uh, only conference. In case anyone didn't know, that has a uh, has a conference championship game. What do you think about Mark Pope? Do you think he could be something? I want to I want to see, see more of them, man. We've only got to see flashes of them just because you know he announced his transfer and wasn't able to play in Miami or anything. But I mean, he looked promising when he was on the field. I just want to see him get more touches, and I think this weekend against Valley is a great opportunity to get him on the field more than he than he was the first few weeks of the season. FCS NIT, even if you had that SWAC and MEAC, still won't be permitted because of the dates of their bowl game. Petrino to A&T. Man, could you imagine if A&T hired <laughs> Bobby Petrino? Good Lord. He has to win one in Frisco before he gets a P- P5 job again. No way with this past 20 years. He potentially could get a group of five, though, Dave. I, th- I think um, – I personally think he could get a group of five job, especially when you look at some of the P- – like, it. listen – if Hugh Freeze can get a job at Liberty, Bobby Petrino can get a group of five job. I'll just put it that way. I'll, that's the nicest way I can put it. Celebration Bowl is too much cash to turn down going to the FCS playoffs right now. It's like a summer trip to Cleveland. <laughs> I love that description, man. I love that description. A bowl system would be great, actually, is to NCAA against that. Um, they're against that because it would – Quote unquote. So that's why it's FBS. So it's football bowl subdivision for the FBS, which is why they have the whole bowl system. And then FCS stands for football championship subdivision, which is why you had the playoffs. So their argument would be that it would, you know, probably go against what the FCS was supposed to be. But I still think due to the money and the feasibility and, and some of the matchups we want to see, I think a bowl system at the FCS level would be amazing. If you could get the right sponsors, get the right TV deals and things like that, it would have to be done correctly, though, for it to really work, in my opinion. Like Prom said, play college games like you're in the NFL. Bowl system for FCS. Um, explain that concept. So the, the way it would have to work, really and truly, and – a lot of people at the FCS level are going to hate me for this, and there's a lot of people who who are not going to agree with me. But if you did a bowl system, you would have to reduce the size of the playoffs. Can't be 24 teams, man. Shrink it down to 12 or 16 or whatever you want to shrink it down to. And then, you know, it, have a set number of wins, and the rest of the teams that hit that set number of wins would have bowl games. And you could, you could have cities bid for bowl games, get sponsors, get TV deals, just like the FBS. And, I mean, it would be less money. I mean, you probably wouldn't have a $7 million or a $20 million purse for, you know, like you do in some of the bowl games at the FBS level. But 
anybody who's not in the playoffs that hit a certain win total gets matched up in, in geographical matchups and cities and, and sponsors bid on it. And that would be how the bowl system worked. You would have to reduce the size of the playoffs, though, because 24 teams is way too much. And you wouldn't be able to have a whole bunch of bowl games after that because most of the teams would be in the, the in the FCS playoffs. FCS should play more week zero games against other FCS. Thousand percent agree, Lawrence. And that's why the Swag Me Act challenge in the FCS kickoff game does so well. Celebration Bowl shouldn't be an HBCU elimination game. Blue schools don't want to play during Christmas. Perfect time to pause to play also the Celebration Bowl. That could be an option. It's um it's a BS move to move the Swag title game back to Beham. Uh what's the wrong in having a midget? <laughs> Oh, man, you're out of pocket with that one, man. Bowl system would pay the teams. So if TSU's quarterback is out there in serious trouble, I agree. I'm I'm worried about Draylon Ellis's high ankle sprain. I really am and how long he potentially could be out and what that does to Tennessee State's chances to win that conference. Imagine if FBS had had that role. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's unfair how they treat FCS schools. The Celebration Bowl is HBCU, NIT, um, Move the games up, the championship celebration bowl by you, make a choice. New Mexico State, Akron, UMass probably hiring. Probably. They're hiring every year, it feels like. Bobby Petrino better thank Christ for having a good football minor. He would have been a broken man. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Uh, bowls mean money. Simple as that. I agree with that. We're getting a little abbreviation happy. I don't know what these dang alphabets mean. Hey, that's fair enough. <laughs> that's, I feel that. I don't mean to judge that, but I'm old school and don't like that sh- shady stuff. He has legit baggage. That will not be easy. If he gets a job at BYU, man, I, listen, if you, Dave, I'm telling you, if Hugh Freeze gets a job at a power five, Liberty's coming to knock on Bobby Petrino. It's, you know, they call Nick Saban's coaching staff, the um, coaching rehab clinic of Saban. Liberty's going to be the co- the just coaches rehab center moving forward. Uh, Bobby will have to restart somewhere. Might as well be bottom G5. <laughs> it doesn't need to be 24 teams. 8 and 12 is enough. I agree. 22, 24. Okay, so I, I'm just um Dave, I'm talking. The only reason I say shrink it is if it, if they move to a bowl system. I think you would have to shrink it for the bowl system to work because you just wouldn't have enough eligible teams if, if that was actually the move you wanted to do. The NIT final could be the celebration bowl. I'll live and be him. I think they should keep the SWAT championship structure as is. Best team host championship. How could you not want the playoffs with FBS but have a 24 FBS uh, playoff? <laughs> they, they're, they're finally moving it to 12. We'll see how long it takes them to get to 24. The SWAT championship will be December 4th or 5th, same as the second round of the playoffs. I find it amazing how many FCS schools compete with P5 schools and other sports. Could those school sports make a leap if they, if they succeeded? Probably, Dave. Honestly, but man, let's see. Oh man, I I will take all. I'm taking off work the week instead of Blade Twenty Four comes out. I might even do some like Twitch streams because we have a Twitch channel for the Blue Bloods. Um, I might have to stream some games, and, I, and if you're a member, I might have to play you one on one on the channel too. We'll have to stream it on YouTube and Twitch, and I'll be playing you guys if you're a member and everything. That might have to be a that that might have to be a membership perk is you know we'll have to run like a instead of like 24 uh dynasty or something like that uh would be byu head coach i think so I, I think he's done an excellent job at byu the problem the problem is 
I don't know if he would leave BYU because BYU's make about to make the jump to Power Five next season. They joined the Big Twelve next season, and so for me, I'm not going to try to rebuild Arizona State into a Pac-12 power when I'm moving to Power Five and I get to take my own team that I've already built with my coaching staff. I don't see the selling point for him to make that move to Arizona State unless the money's outrageous. If I'm him, I'm sticking at BYU and I'm I'm taking that team to the to the Power Five next year. First round of the playoffs, um, second weekend of December 2nd, round three, Celebration Bowl playoffs, pause, fourth weekend of December 5th. Um, let's see. And SCS Champs get still second week of January. Man, I, I don't mind that. I, I, I don't mind that, Roby. That, that's not bad. I, I just think it, you're not going to see a lot of playoff reform unless the NCAA gets really invested in the FCS, and that's that's a long way away right now. They need to limit FBS scholarships to match FCS to so some of the talent will even out. That will never happen, Clarence. They're always going to give a little bit of favoritism to the FBS. I heard some of them could be, but um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's official or not. Man, Swat fan... Harson's going to be gone. If uh, TJ Finley's out this week, uh, if we lose to Missouri, Harson is out the back door with a quickness. Probably have the FCS teams as DLC. Possibly FBS needs to separate from NCAA. That is probably in the works already, Clarence. Arizona State's ignore. Um, Arizona State already let him go. Um, Arizona State is an open job. They let Herm go. They uh, fired him this past weekend, JM. Any news with the NCAA championship deal? All I know is this. I'm so glad. I'm so happy this is finally happening. Um, the NCAA uh, championship got moved, got flexed to ABC this year. So it's, it's finally back on ABC instead of ESPN2. I don't know any of the financial details, Lawrence. All I know is from now on, at least, I believe for the next few years, the NCAA championship game is going to be on um ABC, which is which is great. Uh, I'm I'm excited uh, that the fact that they flex it to ABC rather than playing on ESPN two, just personally. But listen, guys, man, we hit hour two. This is week four FCS preview. Um, I'm going to have an article dropping tomorrow with all our official score predictions, man. Listen, we've been fifteen and zero the past two weeks on the website. So if you're looking to bet some money on all, with, with our with our DraftKings promo code. Put some money on my FCS picks, man. We're doing really, really well. I think 26 and 6 this year in official picks on the website. Uh, so check that out. Also, tomorrow, Coach's Corner with uh, Coach Fred dropping in the morning. And then tomorrow night, the roundtable with Scotty. Make sure to tune in on both of our channels, man. Like both of those streams. And right now, hit the like button on this stream and subscribe if you're not already subscribed. This weekend, I'm going to be down in Hammond, Louisiana, covering Incarnate Word versus Southeastern Louisiana. I'm making a highlight video similar to what I did from the Jackson State and Alcorn State game. I'm going to have some live uh, live content from that game this weekend. I'm really excited to see Lindsey Scott and that offense going up against Southeastern Louisiana on the road in a very, very interesting Southland Conference game. Next weekend, I'll be in Campbell, North Carolina Central versus Campbell. I'm going up to North Carolina for that one. So stay tuned for content next week from that game, guys. But until tomorrow... For myself, for the Blue Bloods, man, we are out for right now.